Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of the show. Today I've got Tom Peavy, and a little bit later I'll have Brooks Childress with me as we continue to talk about a now-completed week one of college football. And wow, it was completed uh, in a significantly surprising way Last night, we'll talk a little bit about Duke's upset of Clemson a little bit later. Of course, we'll have more on that Auburn-UMass game that transpired Saturday inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium and start to look forward to the Auburn and Cal game. And we'll do that with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. He'll be on the show at 3.30 today to talk about what he saw against UMass and what uh, we're about to see against California We'll also have uh, some more uh, great college football topics for you, such as the updated AP Top 25. Uh, Two Auburn commitments this past weekend, one in the 2024 class that we mentioned briefly yesterday and one in the 2025 class that we did not. So we'll have a segment on Auburn football recruiting and update you on that part of it. And if we have time today, uh, we have still not gotten to uh, the Atlanta Braves series against the Dodgers, which was spoken a little bit about since uh, some best and worst and, and uh, the beginning of the show intro there, but have a segment or so at some point this week about uh, the Braves really feeling good about now being the one seed of the National League. Also, at some point today, want to just update uh, some other games we did not get to yesterday, try and talk about some of the SEC teams and how they looked on Saturday. So a lot to talk about still on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Again, Ryan, Tom, and Brooks. Brooks joining us a little bit later. So Tom PV, I ask you, how are you this afternoon, sir? I, I'm doing just fine. And uh, yeah, the uh, the week one football season ended with a bang last night that uh, I'm interested to talk about. Our, our guy, J.J. Jackson, I'm sure very happy, uh, made a comment that to watch out for JJ, he might be uh, streaking around town in celebration. So, uh, yeah, happy for JJ and his guys getting a big upset win last night. Uh, yeah, just a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, there was so much over the weekend that you know we couldn't cram it all into a three-hour show yesterday. So, we've got more stuff to talk about. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on in the world of college football. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the world of the Atlanta Braves. Now we're getting ready for the NFL season to pot, to to come around, and that, there's all of a sudden some stuff going on there. Especially if you're a fantasy guy like I am, and you're looking at one of your best players potentially not even playing Thursday now. So a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to talk about. Absolutely, I know that you guys had the uh, company wide fantasy draft last night. I yep. I still refrain from fantasy because I just take it too passionately on the field. And <laughs> if someone needs to play well against my Buccaneers, then I'm just I'm going to be 
I'm not going to be about that. Or if sure. I, you know, I just, I, I can't get myself, most people, it's not a big deal. I just can't get myself to, uh, if I, if, look, sometimes there's a smart move to take a, a, a rivals player and still don't want that rivals player to play well. So, uh, I still refrain, but I know you guys had the draft last night. We will have Joe Bartle on tomorrow, as we will each and every Wednesday throughout the pro football season, and he'll talk uh, some last-second uh, fancy draft items. And tomorrow and Thursday, we will preview the National Football League as it gets going Thursday night with the Buffalo Bills and Detroit Lions. So, uh, again, a lot of good stuff on the show, as you mentioned, Tom. Let's start. We'll We'll get to Auburn in just a second. We'll get to... The uh, new sponsor for our phone line in just a minute. Uh, but let's start off with what we saw most recently, which was last night in that Clemson and Duke game. Uh, Clemson, a top 10 team in the preseason. Uh, if you heard the show with myself and Cam Barry on Friday, we gave our playoff picks, and yours truly took Clemson to win the title because he wanted something other than. Alabama and Georgia, and after I've seen LSU already go down, seen Clemson go down, seen Ohio State be underwhelming, I'm sorry, guys, it's just going to be Alabama-Georgia this year. <laughs> it's just going to be it, and I don't know which one will win. Uh, for all of us, it's it's equally nauseating, and so I don't know. I was trying to give you something else, but no one else will oblige. So Clemson with a dud of a performance last night. They go down to Duke 28-7, the first time that Duke has beaten a top-10 team since they beat Clemson in 1989 with Steve Spurrier uh, on the sideline for the Blue Devils. And that was something else. I, I had mentioned you know, this would be a nice little test for Clemson. Duke won eight or nine games last year. Yeah. They are absolutely not the Duke that people think of when they think football and that sort of thing. Like that, That's a real team this year. That being said... Did not expect seven points. Did not ultimately expect Clemson to lose. And, uh, Tom, I mean, Clemson's had a pretty uh, – is now starting to fall from grace officially. They, yeah. they had a couple of years that they pieced together with DJ Uyangale that were not championship contender, but they were still winning ten games. But to lose this week one makes you really concerned about the year if you're Clemson. Yeah, um, it does. It really has to be a, an eye-opening thing for you uh, if you're a Clemson fan. And, and it, yeah, I mean, you just, you really have to wonder. The thing is, though, Clemson in that game, they had every opportunity to sure. take care of business. They, I mean, how many times Clemson was in the red zone looking to score and well, they had two fumbles, they had a missed field goal, uh, turnover on downs. Is like they, they would drive the ball down there and they yeah. would get there in scoring position and they just they shot themselves in the foot but good teams don't do that good teams finish off and and Clemson was not able to do that and Duke was able to do enough to to keep that distance and then in the fourth quarter just kind of put their foot on their neck like other good teams are supposed to do now I want to say this about Duke you mentioned it this is a t Duke team that went nine and four last right. year all right so for anybody that's like, oh my gosh, Duke, that's like Vanderbilt being like, no, no, it's not. No, yeah. Duke is good. Yeah, this is a team that went nine and four last year. They've got Riley Leonard at quarterback back, who everybody has talked about. He's one of the better quarterbacks out there right now. He didn't have just gaudy numbers. I mean, he was only seventeen of thirty three for one seventy five. Uh, he did rush for ninety eight yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, not gaudy numbers right. by Riley Leonard by any stretch, but uh, the Duke's defense stepped up. 
and, and did what they needed to do. When we did our previews, we talked about Duke. And you, Ryan, you educated me on this because I still had in my mindset Duke is kind of like, eh, well, you know, it's Duke. And you pointed out this team was really good last year. They've got 10 returning offensive starters, eight returning defensive starters. So nearly the entire team back that just went nine and four. Yeah. Uh, Mike Elko has really shown that he can be a coach. So you said, watch out for this Duke team. Now, do we think it was going to happen against Clemson? No, not realistically. But we were like, Duke's going to be a yeah. – they're going to be sneaky good and don't just poo-poo on them like they're the typical Duke. Well, they showed that they're not. So good on Duke, man. Um, and, and wow, what a time in Durham. The kids rushing the field. I mean, sitting there – just anxiously waiting to rush field. That, that's the thing. They were already up so big that they knew they were going to win. I'm sure the AD's office was already writing the check out for, the, for them <laughs> storming the field, so the check's already written. It's like, all right, boys, let's do this. And, you know, it was a party time in Raleigh. Yeah, well, in Durham. Or in Durham, yeah. excuse me. I mean, I'm sure there's still some Duke fans in Raleigh. They're all, yeah, they're all very close. But, yeah, no, again, uh, it's seeing is believing and and again I I thought that Duke would would challenge them I thought it'd be a fair way to start out the year by Clemson because that would you know that would test them if they if they blew them out I thought that'd be a really good sign for Clemson if they won a close game be like all right well there's a test that might help them later in the year but no they just flat out uh, did not execute and it was a worse version of what we saw with LSU in Florida State where LSU uh, drove drove into the red zone a couple times and then I uh, got stopped and fourth down a couple times. Had to settle for a field goal once. Clemson was flat out just fumbling the ball. I mean, yeah. they fumbled an exchange on a read option in in the six yard line. They fumbled at the one yard line on a belief first and goal. So I had yeah. a whole sequence ahead of them to try and score and couldn't get more than one play. Uh, and then obviously they had a field goal blocked from about the twenty yard line and then shanked uh, like a twenty three yarder, twenty two yeah. yarder, or something inside the five or yeah. seven yard line. And uh, you know, if you're if you're of the Clemson persuasion, you can say, okay, well, they outgained Duke. They moved the ball. They, they absolutely yeah, outgained. You know, Duke. I mean, they they did really good things from twenty to twenty. Right. But then inside the twenty, they just started to look absolutely uh, flabbergasted about how to try to to figure out how to the score. Right. Uh, and you know, I also say too that Klubnik was disappointing. Because he seemed a little spazzy, a little, uh, you know, a little amped at times, overthrowing people, and that was a big. I mean, that was the thing. Like, if you were arguing, which I, to be fair, I was. Like, I still had a lot of faith in Dabo, and I don't have zero faith in Dabo. But certainly, it's getting harder to right. to, to project this out that this is going to be successful for, for much longer. I was saying, well, it's more DJ Uyangale's thought uh, fault than anything. Well. You look at Klubnik in game one, and it was not any better than what DJ was doing, and, and DJ will be in a pretty decent situation with Oregon State this year. Got off to a good start this past weekend against San Jose State. You know, if DJ ends up playing well in Corvallis and Klubnik doesn't figure it out in Clemson, then uh, it's either Dabo or it's the fact they don't have Tony Elliott anymore, who yeah. went on to Virginia to be their head coach. Because I think their defense was still fine. I mean, they, they gave up ultimately a backbreaker with three minutes left. Right, yeah. But, I mean, also you got to look at how the game was being played and that sort of thing. Like, they were giving up around 20 points to a, a solid team. That was fine. Uh, it's just they finished zero, just none of their drives. In fact, the only time they scored was because Duke made their pivotal error of the game when they fumbled a, a punt at, right. uh, like, the 18-yard line. 
Uh, but, but I mean, that is a perennial playoff contender that's really kind of already out of the picture. And if you're the other side of this is if you're Florida State, you're thrilled. Right well, you're now. sitting in the catbird because, seat already after one week. I mean, look, you you now feel great that uh, you can go into Clemson and, and have a, a a good chance of winning that yeah. game uh, in the fourth weekend of the year. And then if you're kind of projecting out the ACC, you start to say, well, if Clemson loses to Florida State, it's it's not at all guaranteed Clemson's in the title game. It might be one either Carolina or Duke. Right, Carolina versus Duke at Keenan Stadium this year might be for that second ACC yeah. slot. Uh, and so that is a uh, fascinating development last night that that uh, Clemson's already down like that. And as you point out, the Mike Elko bit too. I mean, uh, look, credit to Duke. It's awesome. It's great. They are a Power Five school, but uh, big schools are going to be coming calling oh, this wow. cycle to Elko if this if this continues. Of course, I I don't know this for a fact. Can I begin like incredibly early speculation that you probably didn't ask for? But here you go anyway. He was the defensive coordinator at A&M. Right. If things go poorly at A&M, would you go to A&M? Would that be who you hired? Was it would be Elko? Well, here's here's a better one, a better scenario. Florida? Who, well, you just you just mentioned the last time that uh-huh. Duke did what they did was a guy named Steve uh-huh. Spurrier on their sideline and the last time that happened, that coach from Duke went to Florida, Florida. Yeah. and turned them into yeah. a big-time contender. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Here's the thing I will say about Clemson, though. It, and, yeah, I mean, it, because you're open with an ACC team, it's, it's back-breaking definitely to lose that one. If, if you want to try to gleam anything positive out of that, it, it's the fact that, yeah, it's like, look, we lost. We shot ourselves in the foot, but we outgained them. Cape Clubnick, his numbers are – I mean, they weren't terrible. They're not good. I mean, 27 to 43, that's only 62%, but it was 209 yards. He had a touchdown. He did have a pick. Uh, and then Will Shipley rushed for 114 yards. So, Oh, yeah, they, they, Shipley's they had, good. Sure. They had some stuff going. They drove down the field. It's like, listen, if we can just finish these drives, we win this game. Yeah. So how about the, these next games that we play – if we can just finish the drives, then we win. We're 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 fine. Right. Maybe this is an anomaly. Maybe this is one of those that you kind of you'll look back on later in the season. And, I, and I'm speaking if I'm as if I'm a Clemson fan or right. one of the talking heads talking about Clemson. It's like maybe it's not time to hit the panic button. We outgained Duke. We had every chance to win that game by driving down. If we just can punch the ball in or kick a field goal, we win this game. So, you know, maybe we don't panic just yet. If we could just, you know, keep doing what we're doing and actually finish drives, then we're all right. Again, yeah. It, sure. But that's, again, that's if you're that. But now what you're just looking at now is, well, you didn't. Right. And you lost. And you got embarrassed by Duke. And now you have dropped way down yeah. in the polls. And it's going to be awful, awful hard to bounce back from that. You might be able to get away with that in the SEC. But as crowded as it's going to be at the top, good luck. And and especially now when you got Florida State looking uh, almost (laughs) juggernautish up ahead of you. You, You've really put yourself in a bind by losing a conference game right out of the gate. The good news for Clemson is that it is still ahead of them. They've got Florida State week four. They do have Notre Dame, and they do have North Carolina. 
Yep. And so they'll have some real opportunities uh, throughout the year to, to get this back. back. It, they're, if you wanted to be technical, are they eliminated from the college football playoff? No, but they have to absolutely win them all. No, they yeah. got to go twelve. Got to go twelve straight. Yep. Uh, got to got to make and it. hope yep. some stuff happens ahead yep. of them too. Um, and make sure that you don't have any. You don't have the SEC or Big Ten get two teams in because uh, yep. that would be problematic for them too. But it uh, again very alarming. And again, I. You, if you want to take the optimistic route and say they they're still in this, they've got those games. You can also take the pessimistic route and say, well, they still got to play Notre Dame, still got to play uh, Carolina, uh, still got to play Florida State. Could end up baiting four right there, you know. Plus whatever else. It, it uh, you know when you lose a game like that to start out the season, especially when you're highly ranked, it, it puts a lot of doubt in, in the fans, the alumni, the the media that cover Clemson and everything. Puts a lot of doubt of can they actually do this you know is Ked Klubnik actually going to be the quarterback of of the guy that you know can lead us to the promised land as we keep hearing here all the time yeah I don't know I mean obviously not in that game but uh yeah that's tough man that's a that's a real tough way to start the season if you if you like Clemson and it is a beautiful beautiful way to start (laughs) things if you are a Duke fan absolutely all right we have a new phone line sponsor it is now going to be the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And so before we get to Justin Ferguson at 3.30, let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show this afternoon, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about Clemson and Duke, and I was watching that game. Uh, from the first quarter all the way down to the last. And uh, Clemson, they weren't like the Clemson team that I saw the previous years. You know, they 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 really, you know, when they did have uh, D, uh, DJ Uyunglele, if I'm saying his name correct. Um, yeah, that sounded good they, to me. They, they were a really good team with him, but with when he's gone – the team without uh, DJ was like he was with the team with Clemson. He was winning. Clemson was winning so many games, and then when he left and went to a different school, Clemson just fell right through the ground. And I think they might make a bounce back. I don't know how they're going to stand out with Florida State this coming up weekend. Florida State looks amazing as well from from what I experienced as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Florida State um, looks like the better team right now. They do have a couple weeks till they play, so we'll see how it progresses. But definitely a, a big window of opportunity for Florida State to stake an early claim to the ACC. Yes, as well, because I, I, I think in the ACC, I see Florida State actually being a a top Power Five conference team to make it to a bowl game in the in the ACC as well. Yeah, I mean again the ACC will will definitely be trying to um, provide provide one playoff spot. We'll see between Florida State and I mean we'll see how if North Carolina can make a big run or something like that, but Florida State would definitely be the one to watch out for. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually uh, going to be uh, looking at some upcoming NFL uh, weekend previews for uh, this Thursday and uh, seeing 
if the Kansas City Chiefs might lose their season opener against the Detroit Lions. So they are going to do, uh, they're going to be giving out the championship rings and they're going to um, reveal the Super Bowl banner, which I, I think that the Kansas City Chiefs should not put that up right now. I think that should just wait until like probably like, you know, week 12 or 13, somewhere down the line to actually reveal that Super Bowl banner as well. Well, it has been tradition for the the Super Bowl winner to kind of reveal that the uh, the first home game they get of the next season. So that would be a little different there. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's pretty typical to have ring night and and all that to open the season. And Detroit certainly understands that is uh, that is usually how it works. But I saw Travis Kelsey is is a little banged up after practice yesterday, so he he's now questionable to play on Thursday. Yes, as well, because I think they were just saying earlier today on NFL Network, they were um, on Total Access, they were talking about uh, Travis Kelsey has a high, a hyperstenic knee injury, so he's uh, out for a couple of uh, games, so I'm not quite sure how bad that would be as well. And I know with uh, fantasy football right around the corner, I know a lot of commissioners like myself are going to be looking into the uh, draft board and uh, seeing if most people might pick Travis Kelsey, most people not. But I'm not going to pick Travis Kelsey because I don't want to put anybody on my roster that's injured, and that would, you know, that would make my roster look a little a little lopsided this year as well. So I just want to pick some healthy guys this year as well. Yeah, of course, some some drafts have already happened, though, in other fantasy leagues. So some people already have uh, Travis Kelsey on their team, so they're definitely hoping he can play on Thursday. Yes, as well, because I'm, I'm actually doing the NFL uh, fantasy uh, draft, um, but I'm just waiting until uh, Thursday night. So that's when all of the players are being – um, you know, being available. So that's why I'm waiting very patiently for all the players to be available so I can actually do my own uh, draft as well. Absolutely. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at my Dallas Wings. We're actually taking this win. Uh, we're taking this game on the road to uh, New York and uh, seeing if we're going to beat the New York Liberty this time. I know that came down to uh, Dallas, and I wasn't very happy with that one but i'm just going to see how we're actually going to make a, a huge bounce back as well yeah maybe the second time uh second time around will go better yes as well and then with this uh second game that i'm looking at for auburn i'm actually thinking that auburn is going to beat uh cal in uh this weekend's game i know it's going to be a really good um road test for us and it's it's really going to test some of these guys uh, mentally and physically as well so that's going to be a really good game as well and I know we're going to be we're going to be in bright orange so that's going to be kind of out there for a lot of people to be watching that on TV as well yeah I'm sure there'll be some uh, orange shirts in the crowd there obviously Auburn does not uh, wear orange as their primary uniform it's usually a part of their uniform in various ways but no orange jerseys despite some rumblings of that a couple of years ago but yeah no very excited uh for at least an orange helmet or orange involved in the helmet there was some things a couple of years ago but anyway uh yeah excited for auburn to go make that trip i know Hugh Freeze not as excited to make the long uh, west coast trip but uh definitely want to value this game a lot as it is a power five opponent that had a good week one 
Yes, as well, because I did see uh, Cal actually play in week one, and this one, uh, you know, uh, this one is going to actually be written in the history books after this game is said and done as well. Yeah, and hopefully it's in, in favor of Auburn and uh, that Hugh Freeze gets his second win as Auburn head coach. What else is on your mind today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some uh, Major League Baseball uh, today I'm going to see how the uh, Tampa Bay Rays are actually going to do because this is, I think they got a couple more games before the uh, the World Series. Um, you know, whenever the World Series uh, selection comes out, I think Tampa Bay. I'm looking at Tampa, Atlanta, uh, L.A., and I'm looking at my Texas Rangers. One of those, one of those four teams, one of those three teams might make it this year to the World Series as well. Yeah, Texas has been struggling as of late. I know you're a Rangers fan, but they had a decent division lead there. Now they're neck and neck with the Mariners and Astros, so that's going to be an interesting division race to follow down the stretch. Yes, as well, because we do play uh, tonight. We do play the Houston Astros tonight, so we play them in Houston, so that will be our our second loss of the season, but it might make a, uh, a huge turnaround as well with Brandon, uh, with Nathan Lau as well. So I'm just going to see what Nathan is actually going to do for tonight as well when we play in Houston. All right, James, well, we got an interview coming up here in just a couple minutes. So do you have any final thoughts for us today? Um, no, I don't have any final thoughts for you all today, but I'll probably call you all back tomorrow. All right, sounds good. Hope you have a good rest of your day. All right, sounds good on War Eagle. War Eagle, then it's James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. As just mentioned, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, again, recapping the UMass game as the Tigers were triumphant in that one by a score of 59-14. Auburn will face Cal, a Cal team that also scored in the upper 50s against North Texas, had a road game at North Texas, which was odd. Uh, there can be odd road games from time to time. Ask Alabama about going to, to South Florida here uh, in a week or two. Yeah. Uh, so every now and then you just have a weird contract. And uh, Ole Miss is playing at Tulane this yeah, upcoming weekend. I believe so, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's that's a top 25 game. Yeah. We'll get into the uh, new top 25 poll a little bit later. But uh, So Auburn at Cal, going to be interesting. We'll talk about it with Justin Ferguson on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Conversation. Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program. And we now go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Kind enough to take some more time out of his day to join us on the show today. Justin, I hope you are well. How are things in your world? Uh, not bad. Uh, getting, uh, getting geared up for the Cal trip this week. should be fun. should be a very interesting game for Auburn. And, uh, yeah, big big weekend, first weekend of the season out of the way, trying to get back kind of into the groove of you know, game week mode. But it, it's, been, it's been good so far. Yeah, let me go ahead and ask you about that. Uh, are you looking forward to this trip to Cal? Because I know you're going out there. Like, is this like, yay, get to see half the country? Or, no, this is incredibly far from home, and I want to be somewhere closer. No, I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, you know, I've been to a lot of places, um, you know, with work, and and uh, I've always enjoyed going and traveling and covering Auburn. And uh, Northern California is one of the few spots, like big spots left in the country that I've never been to. So looking forward to going, you know, for, for the first time. And it'll be interesting to see just kind of what kind of crowd is at Cal. And just uh, I think it'll be a fun game um, just because of, you know, what both Auburn and Cal showed in week one. So, I'm looking forward to it. It's rare. I know it's not easy on the players. I know it's not easy on the fans. But um, as somebody who gets paid to do this, I'm, I'm completely fine doing it. Awesome. Yeah, no, again, like you said, though, it is certainly a, a rare trip there in a, a big area, and I, I think we're all uh, interested to see the crowd there for sure. So, Justin, before we get in the nuts and bolts of that game, let's talk a little bit about Auburn and UMass. What were the biggest positives, in your opinion, from game one? Now, the fact that Auburn was able to run the ball so well no Jark West Hunter. That's not surprising to me, but you rotated a ton of offensive linemen, like 13 offensive linemen played on Saturday, seven different offensive line units played, uh, and, and yet there wasn't really any drop-off when, when you had it out there. I mean, it was just they were able to rotate those guys around. They played fast. That second quarter flew by quick for Auburn in terms of just the pace of play that they had. You get Robbie Ashford into a red zone situation, and he cashes in time and time again. Thought Peyton Thorne, even though he didn't get to – you know, showcased a ton through the air and, and made some made some decisions that he probably wish he had back and some throws he wish he had back. He had several really good deep balls and, and good shots downfield. I thought was a positive to see on the defensive end. Uh, you rally after that first uh, drive. There's still some issues with this defense that, that they've definitely got to get cleaned up, especially playing Cal this week. But I thought the pass defense was really disruptive. Your pass rush got home. You blitzed really, really well. Donovan Kaufman had an awesome game. You get the two turnovers, Jalen Simpson uh, with the pick six. I thought Auburn just really made it hard for UMass to get in any sort of rhythm after that first drive, and part of it is because, um, you know, they didn't really have much of a shot to get anything through the air. So those, those are strengths, really good special teams game. Uh, you know, not a lot of style points for Auburn in this game. I think I would say, like, more stuff, more actual points and style points in this game. Uh, but when you beat a team by 45 and cover uh, pretty easily – um, anytime you're, you're going to be pleased with that, especially week one with so many new pieces in the coaching staff and on the team. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of positives there, as you would expect, against uh, UMass. There were some negatives. Uh, if you could discuss some of those negatives. You mentioned a little bit of them, and then uh, uh, Coach Freeze mentioned some negative aspects uh, in his first press conference. But just kind of on the negative side of things, what did you see? Yeah, it's just Auburn's still got a, a bad issue, um, you know, run stopping. Um, I thought Auburn's defensive line didn't really impact the game as much as they should have considering the, the, the matchup that they had. Uh, not a ton of plays by those guys up front, uh, and that's kind of a concern. 
uh, for sure. It's early. We'll see what they can do. But Free said it yesterday. they got to be able to get off a of blocks better. And if you're not doing that against UMass, that doesn't bode very well for the rest of the season. But they've got time to improve for sure. Um, get the alignment and the assignments down. I thought Auburn played a clean game on offense, not as much on defense. Uh, and then your wide receivers got to continue to get better. Um, you know, there were some times where it just felt like Auburn wasn't getting anybody open. Nothing really was happening uh, in the passing game. And, and against UMass, you should be able to you know, find those things a little bit easier. Um, so there was a lot of stuff that, like, it didn't really matter that they made those mistakes and they didn't look as good in some of those areas because UMass was so overmatched. That ends this week because Cal, Cal is a Power 5 team. I think they play better than their talent level suggests as, as they showed against the, in that big win over North Texas. And so, yeah, run defense, still figuring things out in the passing game. Those are the two concerns where I think, you know, at worst case, it's going to be a problem for Auburn this season. Best case is it's going to be a work in progress. And, you know, I think if you want to look at things more positively, uh, teams are allowed to improve uh, from week to week, and Auburn's got plenty of time to do that in those problem areas. Yeah, and so now that's kind of going to lead into my next question is, I mean, when you're playing a team like UMass, I mean, really, what can you take away from that? Because, I mean, the offense really was a very vanilla kind of offense. Defense tried to be vanilla, but then realized real quick that they were not going to be able to do it vanilla-wise. So, I mean, really, how much of this win can you really kind of take away for what you're going to see from Auburn going down the road? Yeah, I think I think the positive trends, you can say, hey, you were able to do things cleanly. I thought that was good. You know, like a lot of that, like, Stuff you worry about in week one, like forcing things into turnovers, um, you know, procedural penalties, stuff like that. You didn't really have those issues in week one. A lot of those things where I thought UMass were going to just kind of prey on, you know, hey, Auburn's new. Um, they're, they're got a lot of new pieces. They avoided a lot of that. I think that's a positive. Anything about, like, you know, how you ran the ball or how you threw the ball or how you, st- you know, the, UMass is not the talent level you're going to be playing. There's a lot of stuff where Auburn is just, hey, we're bigger and faster and more talented than you, and you're just going to have to deal with it. So I think a lot of it is just like the stuff Auburn can control, like their own game. Um, some of it was really positive. You know, like I said, no procedural penalties, no turnovers. They did good in that area. But some of the alignment assignment issues, some of the missed tackling, some of getting out of the wrong spots, not being on the same page on offense and defense, got to work on that. So um, a lot of negatives. Even from a 45-point win, there's a lot of negatives that you can kind of fix from this game. And for the positives, you can say, hey, you know, you, you were a little bit more cohesive than people probably thought uh, at the beginning. So it's a lot of the takeaways you can take away from a game like a week one win over UMass is a lot to do with what Auburn did and the stuff that they can control, the stuff that doesn't have anything to do with what the opponent is. And that's not a lot, but it's still enough to kind of carry over. Justin, you talked about uh, Robbie Ashford's success there in the red zone, and and there's stuff to build on Peyton Thorne. Uh, Hugh Freeze was asked about that two quarterback system, and he, you know, he kept, you know, he's kind of deflected it a little bit. We're saying, you know, as long as it works, we're going to do it. Realistically, we, you know, I know it's a small sample size with just UMass, and and then whatever we've seen in fall camp. But realistically, how far down the road can this two quarterback system work in this Hugh Freeze offense? I think it can work all year. I really do. I, I don't think there's any issue with having a quarterback who plays in a package, who comes in in certain situations, and you know what you can get out of him. I think you can do that. Um, you know, I, I do not believe that you can't – this whole, like, you can't play two quarterbacks. I, I don't buy into that. You know, I think, I think you know, 
it's kind of like the Wildcat, like, you know, nobody sits here and says, well, Auburn's not going to be able, you know, a, a team's not going to be able to be successful because there's no way you can run a Wildcat and your own offense. I, I think the Astrid system, you got to kind of apply the same logic to it. You're going to have to be able to throw the ball, you know, in those sets to beat the best defenses with it. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's a system that's going to work, and I think that's something that, you know, it, it, it keeps, you know, it gives what Robbie Astrid's the, really good at, which is running the ball and making decisions in the option game, uh, and, and, you know, allows Auburn to still have the kind of passer that they need to make this offense really click between the 20s with Peyton Thorne. So, yeah, why not? Why, why, why wouldn't it work? Uh, I don't think it threw off the flow of anything. I don't think it's gotten any sort of, you know, quarterback controversy. People may try to generate that, but that's, you know, kind of pretty, gar- pretty much garbage at this point. Um, you know, this is a, this is a, you know, a situation where you put a player that has a really unique skill set and a really good skill set and try to maximize him, knowing that he might not be your best quarterback overall. Um, you know, plenty of teams have done that over the years, and, and you know, I think Auburn could be one of those teams that use it pretty successfully. But you got to have Ashford throw the ball out of it from time to time. You didn't have to do that in week one. Maybe you got to do that in the next few weeks. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. So, Justin, let's transition into the Cal game now. And when you look at Cal last week, I believe they were only favored by five points when they went down to Denton to face North Texas. They won by 37. Just as in general, did that performance change your mindset about this game for Auburn in any way? Absolutely. I think Cal's a lot better on offense than, than we thought they were going to be. And I think – you look at SP Plus uh, today that came out on ESPN. Uh, Cal had the Auburn had the fifth biggest jump of any team in the country in their ratings offensively. Cal had the fourth, um, and you know Auburn's was a lot of hey they took care of the ball and they were efficient with their opportunities. Cal's was man they just blitzed uh, uh, you know North Texas. They ran nearly a hundred plays. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. They were moving the ball. Jay Knott is awesome. Uh, they've got two other running backs, including. A, uh, a transfer from uh, Montana State, Isaiah Fossey, uh, who is just, I mean, uh, he, he had a run in that game where he looked like Marshawn Lynch. It was, it was really impressive. Uh, that North Texas team was rebuilding, but, like, they're still not a bad team. And to win like that on the road and do it with offense, which is something Cal has not really been known for the last few years, uh, is pretty impressive. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Auburn opened this game about a touchdown favorite. That's kind of where – a lot of the numbers would have it as um, I think I think it's a, I think it's a tougher game than we thought heading into the season because in the preseason you look at it and say well Cal struggled this year Auburn should be better they should be more talented that's true that's still that's still the case but like Cal's got continuity in their coaching staff this isn't week two for them it's you know year five six seven however many it is for some of these coaches on the staff at at Cal and, and they and they put up a really good. Uh, effort in week one against a better team that Auburn played and they had to do it on the road, you know, that, that, that changes the dynamic. Does that make, you know, Cal the favorite in this game? No, but I do think it makes Cal a more dangerous team than we thought heading into the season. Justin, Hugh Freeze was asked about the defense yesterday, and he said that it was they. It's, it's not like it was last week. You know what they're going to do on defense. They just do it really well. What is that? Uh, what, what type of challenges does that give an offense where you you know what they're going to do on defense, but it, it's just they do it so well that sometimes you can't beat it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like you know you can have your reads and you can have your checks, and you're not going to be surprised. Like Cal, Cal's not a defense that's going to do a lot of exotic blitzing. They're not going to do a lot of just wild stuff like to try to trap you like 
what UMass did last week with Don Brown, and uh, if I may say, they did so very unsuccessfully. Um, Cal is a is kind of what you see is what you get kind of defense. I liken it, uh, you know, to the Kevin Steele days. The thing about Kevin Steele days at Auburn is is and what made them so effective was this: he had his guys play simple roles in their defense and just turn them loose. Let talent beat talent. Let execution beat execution and go from there. Like when Auburn had Kevin Steele as their defensive coordinator, you knew they were going to rush four passers, have two in the box, play two two high safeties, and, and man up across uh, across their corners and their nickels. That was pretty much what Auburn did over and over again. Justin Wilcox has a defense where, like, you know what you're going to get out of them. It's just going to be a matter of can we execute our stuff better than they execute their stuff. And that's where it gets kind of tricky for Auburn because they're in week two of a new offense. Wilcox is in, you know, year six, year seven. These these defensive guys know what they're doing. Um, So it's continuity versus talent really is what you're going to see in this game. Uh, And so, yeah, like, you're not going to expect anything to be thrown out out of nowhere that's going to surprise you from Cal. But, like, they're going to be pretty fundamentally sound and, 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 and technique sound on what they do, and it's just going to be a matter of if Auburn can out-execute them and out-talent them. Last week, Cal ran for 357 yards, six touchdowns. Obviously, it's a big part of what they do. I know they have a quarterback injury concern, but their backup did play pretty well against North Texas. So, Ferg, if you were grading this offense, or at least the run game, is there any SEC team we could compare it to? Because I know that a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with a, a six-win program out in the Pac-12, uh, but I think a lot of people are curious with this defensive front of Auburn having struggled against the rush last year, struggled against the run against UMass. Like, What kind of challenge, comparatively speaking, are we talking about here? I think stylistically they remind me a lot of what Ole Miss is going to do. And if you look at their offensive coordinators, Jake Spavital, and that should be a name that's familiar to some Auburn fans. He was Johnny Manziel's offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He's kind of bounced around the league uh, for, for a while, uh, was most recently the head coach at Texas State. That didn't work out. Now he's at Cal uh, as their offensive coordinator. Um, they, they ran nearly 100 plays in that game on Saturday. Uh, they run fast, and they want to – you know, do that kind of stuff, maximize the amount of attempts on the field, and they have depth and they believe in their running game. They're going to utilize a spread offense where they're going to, um, you know, get a lot of different dudes involved, and they're going to be able to, you know, make sure that they can feed it to their top guy. And, I, you know, Quinshot Judkins was incredible last season at Ole Miss. Jay Knott had about 900 yards last year on a bad Cal team as a freshman. Like that, you know, so there's a comparison there to be made. They've got depth out of the transfer portal. Afonso, like I said, had a phenomenal game, the Montana State transfer as well. Um, you know, So even though Ott went for nearly 200 yards against North Texas, their two backup running backs combined for over 100 yards and five more touchdowns. Like This is a really, really talented team uh, on the ground. If Sam Jackson, the fifth plays, uh, he's a guy that um, – was, it was the quarterback at TCU. He actually played high school football with Peyton Thorne, was a wide receiver for him uh, when he was in high school back in Illinois. Dude's really talented, really fast. If he's healthy, that brings another dimension to that running game. So Ole Miss is kind of stylistically what I see a lot of in Cal. Obviously Ole Miss, you know, more talented team, SEC team. Uh, but I think Cal stylistically is going to want to do a lot of stuff that you're going to see later on in the year from the SEC. So it's a, it's a really good stylistic challenge. Uh, here in week two for Auburn. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Justin, as always, the time's greatly appreciated. How can everyone follow along and get involved with your coverage of Auburn and Cal this week? Yeah, auburnobserver.com, sign up there. It's uh, $6 a month or $6 a year for a subscription. 
We email everything to you, all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts. Uh, we're putting out something pretty much, you know, once a day, sometimes even twice a day, um, you know, getting you ready for the Cal game this week, uh, looking back at the UMass game, um, you know, got some fun stuff like the 2013 series we're doing, mailbag on Friday, got plenty of stuff coming. And like I said, I'll be in Berkeley this weekend, so we'll have plenty of coverage out uh, from from, uh, from California. So AuburnReserve.com, sign up. Like I said, everything we do gets emailed to your inbox so you can read and listen on your own time. Sign up at AuburnObserver.com. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Hope you have a great trip to Cal. We look forward to catching up again next week. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We've got three or four minutes left in the hour, so we will keep it right here. Uh, again, appreciate Justin for joining us on the program. They've got another practice viewing window at about 4.30 today, so that's why we've been chatting with Justin a little bit earlier so far this year. Good access for everybody to get into. That's not something that's happened uh, under Malzahn or Harson as a uh, in in game in season viewing period. So uh, cool for those guys to get to partake in that. Well, like I said, we're down to a couple minutes left in the hour, so let's go ahead and get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, birthdays and sports today. It starts with Bill Mazeroski, who turns 87, former second baseman. For the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mazeroski was born in West Virginia. He was an All-State second baseman in high school as well as in basketball. At Warren Consolidated High School in Tiltonsville, Ohio, go Blue Ramblers. Mm. <laughs> that's going to be tough to beat. Yeah. That's a good high one. school that doesn't exist anymore. And that's also going to be tough to beat, too. He signed with the Pirates in 1955 at age 17, made his MLB debut a year later, played 16 years in Pittsburgh, and was a 10-time All-Star, 8-time Gold Glover, 2-time World Series champion. His number 9 is retired by the Pirates, and he's a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Bill Mazeroski, 87 today. Uh, Turned down offers from Duquesne. Uh, Go uh, Demons? Dukes. Dukes. And West Virginia. Mountaineers. He's not playing along today. (laughs) <laughs> he only does it with the school they actually do. Yeah. All right. Uh, Olin Krutz turns 46 today, former NFL center, most known for his time with the Bears. Krutz was born in Hawaii, where he was an All-American football and state champion wrestler. At St. Louis High School in Honolulu, go Crusaders. Mm. Played college football at Washington. Go dogs. Where he was an All-American as a junior, winner of the Morris Trophy as the best offensive lineman in the Pac-12. He was taken third round by the Bears in 1998, spent 13 of his 14 seasons in Chicago, six-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Olin Krutz turns 46 today. Davion Mitchell turns 25. He's a guard for the Sacramento Kings. Mitchell was born in Georgia and led his team to a state championship in 2015. That would be Liberty County High School in Hinesville, Georgia. Go Panthers. Played one year of college basketball at Auburn. Four damn Then transferred to Baylor. (laughs) Go Bears. Where he won an NCAA tournament title as a junior. Was named Big 12 Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year nationally. He was drafted ninth overall by the Kings in 2021. Davion Mitchell is 25 today. And Jeremiah Wright is 22, a guard for the Auburn Tigers. Wait was born, or excuse me, uh, Wright was born in Selma, Alabama, and was an All-State selection football and standout baseball player. Go Saints at Selma. Yeah. He signed with Auburn. Go War Eagle. As a defensive tackle. <laughs> but after multiple position switches, settled at guard. He got a starting role in the middle of 2022. He's a major player on the offensive line for Auburn this season. Jeremiah Wright is 22. And one additional birthday. Uh-oh. Happy birthday to Greg Lavoie. He is the father of Ryan Lavoie, the person talking right now. Go Lavoies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he uh, was a 
uh, proud graduate of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Go Heels! And uh, I am very blessed to have him as my father. And uh, he has a big birthday today. They're going. To, um, parents are going out to eat, and celebrate. Going to get some, get some meats, get some steak, get some ribs. That's going to be excellent. Uh, and so, uh, happy birthday, Dad. Love you very much. Uh, and so, my dad's birthday is today. Those are the birthdays in sports. Again, Bill Mazeroski, uh, 87. Owen Crutes, 46. Davion Mitchell, 25. Jeremiah Wright, 22. And my father as well. Just a few seconds left in this first hour. Fun first hour. We never got to introduce you, Brooks. You hey, just kind of appeared. I yeah. hope you're having a good day, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It's kind of sad because I just went through five straight days of college football, and now there's no college football for two uh-huh. days. Uh, I don't know. It's oh, oh my gosh, you got to sit for two <laughs> days. But I cannot tell you how happy I was this weekend just to sit down and watch college football. And it was, you know, like I said, five straight days. Saw at least one game every single day, um, and so it's it's just it, it's the most wonderful time of the year. College football's back. We had. You know, it, I saw an article uh, that was like, just when you think that college football, you can't love it anymore because of like alignment and stuff, realignment, it makes you love it again. And that's what this weekend did. There were some games that you watched that you were like, oh, this is just, this is great. And last night, um, just just the environment in, in Durham uh, was, was phenomenal. Just all tens of Duke fans that were there compared to the thousands of Clemson fans <laughs> celebrated and Man, college football's back. I can't I'm, – I'm just excited. Absolutely. Been looking forward to it for a long time. That will do it for hour number one. We will have a lot of college football to talk about in hour number two, though. We'll get Brooks's thoughts on that Auburn and UMass game uh, from this past Saturday. We'll go through the new AP Top 25, also go over some of the performances from the Southeastern Conference over the weekend. And coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, as always, we'll have a sports call 5 at 5. That will be college football related as well ryan brooks and tom coming to you live on this tuesday afternoon stay tuned we'll be back right after this one hour of our show is in the books we've got more to come stay tuned for another hour of sports call right after the break Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoie, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. Now at the beginning of football season, we're going to continue talking about what we saw over the weekend here in just a moment. Uh, again, reminder that coming up tomorrow, we are almost done with the previews. We're obviously done with the college football previews. We've made it. But tomorrow, we will do an NFC preview for the National Football League, and Thursday, we will do an AFC preview 
Of course, we'll still have some college football talk in between those segments too. But uh, we will have some NFL preview tomorrow and Thursday. The Bills and Lions. Yep, that's not a misprint or misstatement. Bills and Lions is the opening game to start the year on Thursday night. So looking forward to the NFL being back. And then we'll all have football almost every night of the week, and it'll be glorious. Uh, of course, unless you have Spectrum, and then you're a little less than glorious right now. Chiefs and Lions. What I say? Bills. Did I say the Bills? Yes, I'm the so Bills. sorry. Okay, well, no. Nope. I, I wasn't gonna. Yep. I wasn't gonna gonna go there. I well, well I was confused because I was like, wait a minute. Tom's gonna go. call you out on your mistakes, yeah. though. That's okay. fine. No, I'd rather you do. It's the Chiefs and Lions. It's wait, ring night. I was mentioned wanna, earlier. Here's a promo for it on the TV. If you want to get technical, the the Lions are a team on the front end. The Bills are a team on the back end because mm. the Bills play the the Jets right. on Monday night. Yeah, that's true. Right. Uh, a game that you can't watch if you have Spectrum. Anyway. Wow. Uh, <laughs> That would be uh, me. <laughs> uh, me. So, so uh, apologies for the for the misspeaking right there. Uh, so I think that with um, the NFL season, it's going to be it's going to be another interesting time because I think I've missed three shows here in the eight plus months that I've done this, and then I'm going to start racking up <laughs> a show or two a week in like the most exciting time of the year. Oh, he's so excited. He's now gone. <laughs> the, uh, the, the folks on this side of the table are going to start racking up the frequent guest host miles. Right, exactly. Uh, so hopefully Auburn doesn't start losing games. Uh, that time. Uh, that it becomes more difficult to, to analyze the, the losses. Anyway, going to think positive thoughts. Auburn had a very positive showing inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday against UMass. They won 59-14. Spoken a good bit about it yesterday, a little bit today. But, Brooks, want to get your thoughts on it. You were in the press box with myself and Brant Daughtry. What did you see from the Tigers on Saturday? Well, I mean, it, it's it's nothing that we didn't think we were going to see. Um, it, it was two teams that went out there, obviously. You know, we talked about UMass being a better team, and they showed at times they were a better team than they were last year. But it's still you, – you saw the talent gap between in, in Auburn and SEC school and – and uh, a UMass uh, caliber school. So still a long way for UMass to go uh, when it comes to the rebuild. And now, you know, Don Brown, I think a couple weeks ago before the season started, said, I don't know what type of team we have when we get punched in the uh, punched in the jaw. They got punched in the jaw this week. And, and so we'll, we'll see how UMass does down there at Auburn. Uh, again, nothing we didn't expect to see. Um, I, I think one of the, you know, the big things is the the rotating the offensive lineman in uh, quite a bit. And it's a good, it, it's a good problem to have where you've got so many guys that you you're willing to get in there that means you've got guys that are fresh and uh can you know throughout the rest of the the whole game have guys that are are playing roles and getting in there at at different positions that are um uh it it changes the look a little bit confuses the defense a little bit where where they're going to be blitzing and everything and it, it helps with uh like i said the the guys out there to keep them a little bit more fresh um Wide receivers, I thought, did well. Uh, quarterback play was fine. Uh, Robbie Ashford did good in his role. Uh, wasn't asked to throw the ball a lot. Uh, and then Peyton Thorne, uh, I felt like he, you know, he had a good read of the offense. You saw it. It was just a couple throws that you know you you know that you you watch him. And Hugh Freeze even said it yesterday, you you know that he wish he had those back. Couple reads he didn't make, uh, and so that's that's going to come. It's the first game. It's first game in a new offense. You're you're going to get you know you're going to build on that, and that's how the rest you know you, you keep going. You go to the film room this week and learn from your mistakes and go ahead. The 
the big thing is is the defense and especially stopping the run. It, it was you know they they got out there and it wasn't the best, and so um, I, I think that's something that we talked about in the off season uh, that needed to get better, and it, it still has to get better. Uh, when you get up against schools that. Uh, that are going to run the ball this weekend. You're going to go up against the school, even though Cal, you should, you know, you're you're a favorited uh, program. You're, you know, in in theory, you're not on the same level as Cal. Cal is, you know, a, a step or two below below you in the Power Five ranks. But they're a team that can run the football. We saw it this past week against North Texas that they can run the football well. And so you've got to be a, be more disciplined, be able to step up, and hopefully you can get some of those holes fixed. Uh, when, once you get down the road here, you get to a, a team like Texas A&M, you get to a team like Georgia, with teams that can really run the football, um, you're, you're going to have to be a lot better than you were on Saturday. But overall, I, I thought they, they did what they needed to do on, on the weekend. That was win the game, win the game convincingly, get some of your younger guys in there later in the game uh, to, to get some game experience. And uh, now you get set to, for a West Coast trip against a, a Cal team that – uh, is is still like I said, still a, a step or two below uh, Auburn, but that's a very good uh, Cal team that uh, that's gonna that could give Auburn some problems this weekend. So when we're analyzing this offensive performance from Auburn, and we think about the fact that Robbie Ashford had three rushing touchdowns in the first half, obviously the package succeeded against UMass. Is that something you feel confident will succeed? when it comes time to play bigger teams. Like, I think that we would all still feel pretty good about it this week against mm-hmm. Cal. Cal is certainly going to provide a bigger test to Auburn's defense than maybe originally accounted for. But I, I'm still not sure that Cal's a team that I would expect Auburn to struggle offensively with a lot. Uh, they won't score 58 uh, like they did uh, this past week, but or excuse me, 59. But they'll they'll score a lot. Do you think that I mean, like, if you, in your honest opinion, will will a Robbie Asher led package be able to last through the year? I think you asked a similar question to Ferg. Like, like in your mind, will will this be something that will be successful? For that's Auburn? that's why I asked it uh, to Ferg in the in the interview earlier. And if you missed that, make sure you go back and listen to it on our podcast feed. Um, that, that's why I asked the question is because once you get up into uh, the the SEC rounds where you're going up against more. Uh, Veteran defenses, more uh, you know the technically sound defenses. Just more talent. Yeah, talent Way wise. More talent. You you you're going to get up against teams that uh, it's it's not going to fool as much. Now, when you know you throw that element in there, where you know Peyton Thorne is not going to run a read option as much as Robbie Ashford is. Robbie Ashford's going to pull the ball uh, quite a bit. Now on Saturday, you saw you know, you saw the read option a, a little bit with Ashford, but you also saw quite a few design runs where you knew he was taking the ball himself. Yeah. And if a, if an experienced defense like a Georgia and Alabama and LSU gets a couple games with this film and they, you know, they, they start, you know, they break it down. You've got those experienced defensive coaches there. I mean, heck Alabama, you've got the, you know, the probably one of the best coaches of all time and Nick Saban, who's a defensive coach. And then you have a, a really good defensive coordinator who you was here on the planes for a while with Kevin Steele. They're going to be able to figure that out. They're going to be able to, to diagnose it. Uh, I think it can work. I think it, I, I'm with Justin. I think that it can work down the stretch. Um, I just don't know how much it'll work, uh, to the extent that it worked this past week, and I think you can, you you can use it. I think once you get up against the the bigger teams, the the more experienced defenses, the Georgias, the Alabamas, 
um, the LSUs, that's where you're going to start to, you know, to really have to pull some trickeration out of your bag. You're going to have to have that read option uh, a little bit more because the the eye discipline, and especially for those defenses like a Kirby Smart defense, is going to be in the right spots. You're going to have to make – you're going to – if you're Robbie Ashford, you're going to have to make an athletic play to beat them there. So, Tom, what do you think? Do you think this Robbie Ashford package will be able to to last all season long? Do you think it will be successful in SEC play? Uh, some yes, some no. Um, they're they're going to – in fact, what makes me think about it, I just saw a, a play that uh, Cole Kublik had up here that was a design Robbie Ashford run. And, I mean, it, it comes off of a read option, but uh, Michael Riley comes across behind the line pulling – and so it's obviously a, a design run play to that side of the field. Uh, against uh, more powerful defenses, that's not gonna, it's not going to fool anybody, and they're going to be able to power through that. So uh, r- plays like that, good luck making that work against really fast defenses and powerful defenses. So if they're going to do that, they're going to have to figure out more ways to do the misdirection and trick you and, and throw out of it and things like that. Um, so it can work, uh, but it's also you have to be careful because if if, if you're kind of ninety percent running out of that as soon as he comes on the field, of course the defenses are going to look at it and go, okay, well they're they're going to run. That's what they do on tape all the time. So if you're going to use that package, you're going to have to mix and match it. You can't do the same thing. You run into the quote unquote Gus Malzahn stuff where it becomes very predictable. And defenses could read it. So yeah, if you're gonna run, if you're gonna run that package, you're gonna have to misdirect. You're gonna have to throw out of it. You're gonna have to do some different stuff out of that package instead of just purely Robbie running the ball because the defenses will definitely snuff that out. And that that's the thing is is against UMass against a team like Cal maybe against Samford you're gonna you know these first three games there was times in the press box that I leaned over to you Ryan I leaned over to Brant after one play and down in the red zone Robbie Ashford you know let's say he he took it it was designed to run they've got back in the same formation like they're doing the same thing like they're gonna do the exact same play and they did and so against those type of teams you don't have to have it be tricker tricky enough right. like you can get out there Robbie Ashford can get out there and out athlete athletic your uh, defenders, your linebackers, your DBs that are coming in to try to make that stop. Against once you get to that Texas A&M, you get to Georgia, you get to LSU. That's when you, like you were saying, you need more more out of that that package where you make that defense think a little bit more. Right. Well, so for instance, then the play that I was just looking at that Cole put up there, Michael Riley comes across and he's one on one with a guy and he puts the dude on his butt and that's why Cole highlighted that because Michael Riley. Uh, just absolutely pancake this kid. But you can see other guys that were kind of frozen. They didn't react quick enough, and they got themselves out of the play. Well, that doesn't happen. In other defense where they're fast, that linebacker or that safety or whoever is that kind of gap that is on the right side of whoever's pulling around, they're not going to freeze. They're not going to be fooled by it. They're going to shoot that gap, and they're going to hit him for a loss. So if you're just bringing the one guy out there and you're just kind of following one lead blocker, he can only pick up one dude. Well, there's other guys out there that can react to that and really snuff that play out. So, yeah, you when you're just bigger and faster than a, than a team like UMass or like you mentioned, Samford, I think to an extent against Cal, you're still going to have to be careful with it because they do have some better players. But against those where you're just bigger and faster, you can do that. But 
Yeah, when you get into the SEC play, and I mean, you've got really smart linebackers, really smart safeties, and really physical dudes. Whereas Micah Riley came around there and flattened that dude, somebody might come up and put Micah Riley on his butt, and then what are you going to do? So, yeah, it, it, it will work to an extent, but you got to be able to do more out of that. If you if you want that to work, if you want to keep running a little too, too bleh, a two quarterback system, um, yeah, you're going to have to definitely figure out some wrinkles to it and not run the same stuff. I think the hope for optimism is the fact that Robbie Ashford ran the ball well in SEC play last year. I mean, he, sure. yeah. he had a 100-yard game in the Iron Bowl. He had a 100-yard game against Mississippi State. Uh, he did have the fumble against Georgia, but nine carries, 52 yards against Georgia. So he ran well on good defenses uh, throughout last year. Arkansas game, he had the complete package and threw for nearly 300 and ran for nearly 100. Uh, so there is that room because he just flat out is a good runner. But obviously the element of surprise gets lessened when he's not the main guy, right? So when sure. he's out there every play last year and he's just part of the offense, then you just know uh, a pass could be coming. I mean, it's whatever the percentages are, 60-40 run, whatever, then you expect that the pass could be coming and then he has more scrambles and a lot of his yards can come off the scrambles, this, that, and the other thing. Whereas now – when he's in the game, you know that you've gotten into a scenario where it's 80%, 90% chance of a run, and it's not that 60-40 or 50-50 spread like last year. And so that would be what you, got, where, what you guys are saying comes into play where you've got to show some sort of play-action look off of it, and it needs to be successful at some point early in the year. Uh, and, and look, obviously they were not going to show that against UMass, and you shouldn't. And I'm not even so sure. I think that you probably put it in the in the the side of your game plan against Cal, but you really would like to not have to do it against Cal either. You you want to make it look like you are you want to play dumb. You want to go the first three games of this year without throwing like any passes out of that package. You want to make it look like you just don't know how to throw out of that package. Sure. That it's not in there. And so you you want that to happen so that when you have, I don't know, a third and one at midfield and you put that package in, then you've got some sort of, of weird trickery going on, weird play action that then, boom, 50-yard touchdown. Or if, if you really need it near the goal line, you have something that can get you five yards that's not necessarily a run up the middle and gets you a, an important situation play. That That's what you're waiting for. And then once you show that, then then all hands are on deck. Then you th- throw out of it hopefully a little bit more. Um, but the good news is Astrid is such an adept runner if this line does play well, then you will be able to make some hay with just simply executing the play and blocking successfully because they will have a better chance of doing that. And by the end of last year when Cadillac was the interim, they basically just decided that they were not going to throw much anymore. I mean, Ashford had, uh, I was looking at it starting with A&M. I mean, he only had 13 passes against A&M. He had 19 against Western Kentucky and 23 against Bama. Uh, and, and and so the rush attempts went up a little bit because they were designed more than anything. He was still rushing early in the year, but it felt like he was scrambling away from pressure. Right. Uh, they were just starting to do QB sweep and blast and stuff a lot more towards the end of last year. So it was successful then. 
it's got the room to be successful now. It just needs, as you guys said, it needs a little bit of something off of it, uh, which is is works a time or two to get defenses thinking about it. Yeah, it's you know it's kind of that uh, uh, the stereotypical or cliche poker hand type deal. Like if you got pocket aces, you don't want to go ahead and show the pocket aces right. before you get well. If you've got the pocket aces, if you're Auburn and you're sitting on pocket aces and you know we could do some really, really awesome stuff out of these sets, and it's kind of one of those, <laughs> just watch what we got up here, you know. You don't want to show it too early. You got wait until wait until you need it. Wait until you're right. in one of those games where it's like, here we go. It's like in 2017 when they were doing Wildcat with Carry On. Sure. I could be wrong, but I don't think they jump pass until the Iron Bowl. Right. I don't recall them doing a jump pass until the Iron Bowl. Maybe they did throw one in there. Uh, and if 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 I uh, if I'm mistaken, then I apologize. But they pretty much felt like they saved that for that Iron Bowl for that moment. Get a big touchdown out of it in 17. I mean, I I sit there and I think about the game time play in 2013 against Alabama. Yeah, to, the, the to throw out of the, the read throw yeah. out of the read option. Yeah. I, nobody had seen that. Yep, Alabama sure as hell hadn't seen it because that's why Sammy Coates was standing by yep. himself on the sideline is because they everybody came rushing up, but you held on to it until you need you needed to tie the game in the Iron Bowl in a one versus three matchup where we're you know everything is. Uh, hanging on the edge right yeah, here. Couldn't matter more. Yeah. It, that play could not have mattered. You, I mean, that is the time you dial that play up that nobody's ever seen, and it worked. And yep. so, yeah, those are the things you don't. Boise State, uh, when Boise State won the, uh, I hate to think about Brian Harson in these times, but when Boise State in that uh, in the well, bowl at least game, he wasn't the head man. No, he wasn't. Yeah. But I mean, he was the offensive yeah. coordinator. But uh, you know they pulled they pulled two plays out of their rear end that nobody had ever really seen. I mean, it looked like something out of backyard football, and they ended up winning the Fiesta Bowl over Oklahoma with two plays that were just like mind boggling. Those yeah. are things you just don't show during the season. You use them when you absolutely need to. We're gonna go take our first time out here of hour number two. We come back. We'll get to recruiting here for just a moment. As Auburn got two commitments, one in the 2024 class, one in the 2025 class over the weekend. And a little bit later, we'll go through some of the SEC teams and the week ones that they had this past weekend. And a little bit later, a sports call of five at five. We'll give you five winners of the opening weekend of college football, too. All that's ahead here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. More after this. For another way to listen to our show, be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Nice sunny day as uh, we've had a lot of those recently. Getting a little bit hotter outside, but again, I, I, uh, I enjoy the dry weather for the most part. I, I got to keep an eye on the weather. I, you know, the, Originally, the weather forecast was not talking about any kind of rain for tomorrow, and now I'm starting to see that it could be some rain tomorrow, and I'm supposed to be going to the Montgomery Biscuits game. So. About 30% chance. Is it just 30? Yeah, I've, no. I've seen from – I think I saw a thing from James Spann that looked like there might be a little bit better chances tomorrow. Maybe that's for Birmingham, though. I mean, it looked like yeah. rain down even into this wow. area. So Hopefully it stays at 30. We want a nice dry game so yeah. I can – Go watch the biscuits sure. against the lookouts tomorrow. And to be fair, as you know, thirty percent means it does rain somewhere. Yeah, that's just true. Not everywhere, yeah. so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, hopefully you get to uh, not a set of dry biscuit, but then no one really <laughs> likes dry biscuit. Uh, this no weather that is poor for a minor league baseball game. No. Anyway, let's get to some Auburn football recruiting. We don't spend as much time of this during the season because, well, we're during the season. But we certainly spent a lot of time in the summer about it, and one of the names that we refer to quite often committed this past weekend, and it was in favor of Auburn. It was big DeAndre Carter, the high four-star recruit out of Modern Day High School in Santa Ana, California. Carter shows Auburn this past weekend. Again, one of the more uh, drastic differences in how recruiting services evaluate him, I simply am here to provide the facts to you, that he is as high as number 42 in ESPN's list, the number one interior offensive lineman. 247 Sports has him as the number 55 player in the country, the number one interior offensive lineman. Rivals.com has him as number 113 in the country and the number eight interior offensive lineman. But on three has him as an unranked three-star and only the number 54 interior offensive lineman. Wow. Uh, So I don't know if they do different grades for interior offensive linemen, if if they have like this this deal where they just don't rank them as high, they're not as valuable since they're not tackles. I, I don't know. I am just simply telling you that that is what on three on three provides the, the, the ranking for all four services, including their own that spits DeAndre Carter out as an on three industry, still four star, but the number one fifty one player uh, and the number eight interior offense lineman. So depending on where you go, Auburn either got the best interior offense lineman in the entire class or they got a run in the middle recruit. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there was no in between there. I, I'm three out of four say he's really damn good. I'm going to say majority rules, uh, but nevertheless, uh, a big time player for Auburn. He is absolutely huge. I've got him over here at six three and a half, three forty, three hundred and forty pounds. Tom, Rival- pretty pretty good there. Rivals has him at six five three forty five. Okay, so, maybe on three didn't give him his extra two inches, and that's why not. they rated him as three-star. I don't um, know. The thing is, I mean, he well, either way, he is a big kid, and he is from a monster, monster high school out there in Santa Ana, California. Uh, I mean, this is a school that you have seen play on ESPN before. They, they've played against De La Salle and some of these other schools out there. I mean, it is a monster program that, that churns out college kids over and over and over. The fact that Auburn was able to go all the way to California and convince a kid to make two visits here, one on his own and then one for Big Cat, um, that's uh, 
that was pretty special. To That's get national kick. reach. That is very much national reach. And uh, Auburn felt good about him. Thankfully, this is one of those that that worked out because, you know, here lately there's been some you felt really good about that didn't go for him. And uh, it, it felt like there was some word that Michigan may have been making up a lot of ground on him. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you think about Michigan and you think about six five three hundred and forty five 345 pound offensive linemen playing up there, you know, in the Big Ten type football. But he chose Auburn, and you got to like it in a, a position that, once again, we have talked about that for years and years and years, you just could not seem to get blue-chip offensive linemen here. Well, now you have one. And, uh, you know, hopefully that can be uh, another one of the dominoes that kind of falls in this Auburn recruiting as you start looking towards that 2024 class. Yeah, and, you know, Ryan, you've talked about it, uh, and it's, you know – Hugh Freeze for a stretch there, it was bang, 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 bang. There's some big time recruits, and then here recently there was he, they were in the fight for some of these big time recruits, and they missed out on a few. And it was you started to sit there and be like, all right, okay, you you had a good run, and there was a there was a few big you know big name recruits that didn't go your way, and you're you're sitting there, you say, all right, when when's the next one gonna fall? Here's the next one, um, like you were talking about, Tom. Big offensive line uh, get uh, continues to build on that position that Auburn hasn't recruited well in the past. Uh, and you know, I've said this before. You know, you can go in like this year. He uh, Hugh Freeze went to the and went to the portal. Got a lot of big offensive line guys out of the portal. But you can't build a team off the portal every single year and be successful every single year. Uh, you're you're going to miss on a few of those portal guys. So you have to reinforce whatever you can get out of the portal with guys from the high school ranks and this is this is one of them you have to be able to be able to bring in uh guys from high school be able to develop them into uh you know into the the sec caliber uh players that you need and uh he's already one of these guys that's well on his way to uh to being at that point so with this commitment auburn moves up to the number 12 class in 2024 we talked about how their average had continued to be in the top five and it's still hovering right around that, but now up to the number 12 class overall in 2024. Auburn also got another commitment over the weekend, not as high profile, but it is in 2025 from Spencer Dowlin out of Athens High School in Athens, Alabama. Uh, he becomes the now third commitment of the 2025 class. Just to tell you how um, – slowly it can move or i guess or how far away we are whatever uh, whatever line you want to take there auburn with their three commits having one four star and two three stars is technically ninth uh in the 2025 class right now with spencer dowlin committing he is uh, a three-star guy but again he is not ranked by all services he's ranked primarily by 247 as the number 37 offensive tackle and the other services not ranking him currently so uh, that becomes the third committee, 66290 out of Athens, again, in the 2025 class. So three commitments in 25 to Caleb Falk, Malik Autry out of Opelika, and Spencer Dowlin. Uh, so that class is into the top 10, although, again, incredibly early, just working off of three recruits right there. And the 2024 class is up to 12. And uh, DeAndre Carter. Uh, for where he ranks in this class for reference, he is Auburn's fifth highest rated recruit for the 24 cycle behind Walker White, Joseph Phillips, Demarcus Riddick, and Perry Thompson. We're going to take our next time out. When we come back, we'll go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs> 
it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. We continue on with the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. And again, we want to remind you that we have a new sponsor for the phone line. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. The Orthopedic Clinic has been serving the people of East Alabama since 1971 and is your go-to center for orthopedic care. Visit them online today at theorthoclinic.com for more information. Give us a call to join Sports Call, 334-887-3401 or one 888 tiger 9 The Orthopedic Clinic is the proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. So with that, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Next up, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Well, good afternoon, guys, and I say... Holy crap category for uh, last night. Uh, Brooks and Tom, what do you think? Well, I mean, it, it was holy crap, but, uh, you know, we talked about it uh, early in the show, and, and Duke's coach even talked about it. It didn't surprise them and to other people that have followed that Duke program. It's not that much of a surprise because this is not a Duke team that is the normal Duke that everybody thinks of. They're a very good team. They won nine games last year. They got pretty much everybody coming back on that roster. Yeah, did it still surprising that they beat Clemson that bad? Absolutely, but Duke's a good football team. This was not, this was not like Vanderbilt beating Alabama or something like that. Okay, Tom, well enough said. However, let me remind you folks, I'm 72 years old, and I grew up uh, recognizing Duke uh, only during basketball season. Uh, does this make them officially now a football program? I don't know if I would say officially a football nah, program. They've had their times under Steve Spurrier. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, a couple years under Cutcliffe. Uh, yeah. But it, it's, it comes and goes. It ebbs and flows where they, they're up in football, they're down. And, uh, but they're, Duke, is, Duke is definitely 100% still a basketball school. Well, I watched the game last night, the entire game, and, you know, some people who are Clemson defenders would say, well, you know, there's uh, all these turnovers, but they were forced turnovers by the Duke defense. In fact, it could have been worse. It, it probably should have been 28 to nothing had it not been for that uh, punt uh, that was uh, fumbled, right? I disagree with the turnovers. They just they dropped the exchange one time, and then the second time they just rolled into the line of scrimmage and the ball popped out. I, I mean, 
Maybe you could say that one was a little bit forced, but th- those are mistakes that, that shouldn't be happening, and those are, I, I, in my opinion, those are squarely on Clemson. Yeah. I mean, Duke had nothing to do with the, the missed read option there. That's on Klubnik and the running back. Yeah, yeah not Clemson, Clemson shot themselves in the foot over and over and over in that game. Okay, I thought there was some good force, uh, uh, some forced turnovers that, that Duke actually caused, uh, but we can uh, agree to disagree. All right, so moving on, guys. You know, I failed to mention yesterday, I know probably you guys have talked about it, but Mr. Britton got Offensive Line Freshman of the Week. Yes. Yes. Um, and I think he definitely earned it. And um, I'm trying to, I think uh, another one Offensive Line has been playing, uh, who's a transfer, been playing uh, several, uh, I think, right guard, left guard, and uh, Offensive Tackle. Uh, what's his name? Is it Bragg? Uh, no, I mean, there's – can uh, Xavier Miller's at right tackle, Cam Stutz right guard. Um, I, 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 I'm not uh, Con- Connor Lou, uh, Dylan no, Wade, like Dylan Wade. No, no I, I think it was let's start with the last name start with the B. Britain, yeah, Gunner Britain. Was it Britain that played uh, uh, several different positions? Yeah, Brit- Britain's been playing, play, has played a couple different positions, yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess we're going to need him. And according to uh, the uh, information from uh, 247 Sports, the offensive line um, may continue to be constantly being rotated. There's not going to be just officially only five starters. Is that what you're uh, reading to and hearing? I think there will be some rotation. I still think offensive line is the least rotated uh, position group on the team, aside from maybe quarterback, but even – even for Auburn this year, they'll rotate uh, because of the package for Ashford. So I think that you might see maybe six guys factor in there because uh, you could see some Jeremiah Wright too. But I, I think that uh, you know they they will they will try one or two different things. But again, a lot of that rotation was just because they could against UMass. Once it comes down to it, they're going to put their five best guys out there and they're going to keep them where they're where they're best positioned to play. Okay. Uh, just real briefly going back to Duke, I did not know until I read it uh, this morning from 247 Sports, uh, Philip Marshall, and Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard. Fairhope, yep. Fairhope. Yep. Wow. And he was not even offered by Alabama or by us. Uh, what's that about, guys? Because he wasn't a high-profile recruit. I mean, I mean, he wasn't. And sometimes that goes that way. But he was also a basketball player at Fairhope and – uh, he was being lightly recruited to play basketball some places too, uh, but he he chose football just just because someone is good from the state of Alabama doesn't mean that they were all uh, all after that person because sometimes they are not highly rated and and sometimes people prove the recruiting services and scouts wrong. But uh, again, he was not not some five star player. Looking at his uh, recruiting no, profile, look- yeah, Brooks, excuse me, because uh, what I was what struck me it says. Says now, ESPN draft analyst, draft analyst Mel Kiper rates him the number three quarterback in the next NFL draft and a first round pick. Seriously? I mean, I haven't gone through the 2025 guys. Uh, Brooks, what were you saying about the? Well, I, I was going to say, you know, you look at his recruiting profile on 247. His, his this is his Power Five offers. Everybody that offered him the Power Five: Duke, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Syracuse, Vanderbilt. That's the yeah. Power Five offers. So Kiffin got Kiffin knew something was up, but everybody else there is not exactly a big time offer there. Hey, can I throw okay. another? Can I throw another guy at you there, Steve? Throw him. All right. The the uh, Duke defender that had that picked up the fumble and ran it down the sideline. Stinson. Yep. Jalen Stinson from yep. Opelika High School. Yep. 
Wow, how did we miss out on him? Uh, he actually committed to Purdue. Um, he was not a very highly rated guy, but he had originally committed to Purdue, and then he flipped from Purdue to uh, to, to Duke. So no Southeastern Conference teams even approached him? He he was recruited by a lot of the smaller schools. I was say, his, his Power Five uh, recruiting list is even smaller. Duke, Purdue, Louisville, Nebraska. That's your Power Five for him. Yeah. Again, okay. yeah. Again, not you got so many scholarships, and and some of these guys are not rated as high. And kudos to those programs that scout and develop well. I mean, that's part of it. Otherwise, if you didn't get five five stars, then you'd have no chance. But again, just because someone plays well out of the state of Alabama does not mean that that uh, you know everyone and their brother saw it coming, and that Auburn, Alabama were were all after all of them. So one blogger said, I asked a question. Uh, what did you get when you spell dabble backwards? Uh, what's that? Oh, bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, you might want to read this article, especially if you're an Auburn fan, Phil Marshall today. It's called College Football Should Not Be About Manufactured Heroes. He says, time to accept and celebrate that college football is not the NFL. Anyway, pretty interesting article. All right, moving on, guys. About the Cal game. Uh, you know, their starting quarterback was hurt uh, pretty early uh, in, in, the, uh, in the game there. And then their backup quarterback proceeded. His name is Finley. Right. Ben Finley. He went 24 of 34 for 279 yards. Uh, yeah. Wow. And I know that um, their opponent wasn't, uh, you know, outstanding. It was North Texas, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, but I think you said yesterday that they definitely could have beaten uh, UMass Handley. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd say handily. It's still too early to know that. But North Texas in general is a, a definitely a better program than than UMass and is absolutely anticipated to have a better season than UMass. So I don't know if that would amount to what kind of victory it would be, but I would still expect uh, North Texas to beat UMass. And then their running back that they mentioned in here, Jaden Ott, uh, ran for 188 yards and two scores. Yep. So uh, this uh, game, guys uh, – Looks like it's going to be a um, nail biter. It could be. Uh, I, I think that certainly Cal's offense will test Auburn's defense. I think that will become a, uh, a pretty fair test. We uh, we had Justin Ferguson on the first hour of the show. And we asked him to compare Cal's offense to an SEC offense, and he chose to compare them to Ole Miss because that they play up tempo. They got nearly a hundred plays in against North Texas, and they run the ball very well. And Jay Knott. Uh, similar to Quinshaw Junkins a little bit last year, uh, was very productive as a freshman. He still notes that Ole Miss would still be better. Ole Miss still a, a little more talented version of it, but just if he was picking someone to compare it to, he'd compare him to Ole Miss. Well, so is this going to be um, a game to decide who outwears the other one first? I, I mean, I think that could could factor in. Obviously, Auburn's going to want to have more of a passing element than – I think they did against UMass. I, I just, I, I think that he, there'll be some games Auburn runs more than throws. I'm not saying Auburn's going to sling it around every game, but they're certainly going to open up some more concepts. I think on Saturday and uh, with, with with Cal's defense, it's still a little bit more of an unknown commodity. But what we do know about Cal is that they can run the ball, and that uh, again, putting up 50 some points at North Texas is is pretty. I mean, pretty damn pretty damn good. Uh, so. Auburn's rush defense will be very much tested in the game, and, and because of that, I think you will see a good bit of running the football. Yeah, 
uh, speed they're running, they ran for a whopping 357 yards. Yeah, no, ab- again, absolutely. They they checked all the boxes in that game. I think the I think the line closed at Cal as a five point favorite, and they ended up winning by thirty seven. Uh, so they obviously impressed a lot of people and 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 did way more than than people thought they would. All right, sticking real quickly with Auburn, I see that uh, we have a five star guard by the name of Jalen Harrison who is uh, having an official visit to Auburn uh, for the two thousand twenty five class. He's a five star combo guard uh, out of Indiana and uh, he's going to be here for the Georgia um, football game but it says here that he is ranked by 247 Sports as the number 8 player and number 2 combo guard and number 1 player out of Indiana. You guys know very much more about him? Who is, who's Russell after him? Uh, yeah, no, I've not been really following too much of the uh, the basketball recruiting and uh, you know, obviously Auburn is starting to try to get some bigger fish in the pond. But, uh, no, I, I, I really have not followed uh, Jalen Harrelson much. Well, I just got my answer. I'm scrolling on down. Uh, the article says that Duke, Gonzaga, and Virginia have also offered uh, this gentleman uh, in the past couple of months. But Auburn appeared to him back in July of 2022. All right. So, yeah, they were definitely on him early. But, uh, obviously, the big school, all, all the big schools there are joining up. And speaking of basketball, guys, the USA team clobbered Italy this morning. They did. 163. Yep, they got their mojo back. Uh, and they, because of the previous game, they were beat by Lithuania. Yeah, that was definitely an upset, and uh, they were not happy about it. And they, Fortunately, they were not eliminated from the tournament because of that, but it just created a, a little bit more difficult path to win it, but they're now back on track. All right, so they're in the Final Four, and they'll face, it says here, either Germany or Latvia in the semifinals. Do you know yet which team? Uh, I don't. I don't off the top of my head. I know Germany's got a few NBA players. I think they played an exhibition before this tournament. I, I can envision them playing like Franz Wagner and uh, Dennis Schroeder. I, th- I think they've played Germany either in the tournament already or in exhibition, and it was a pretty close game. Yeah. I honestly didn't even know this was going on until I saw them lose to Lithuania, and there was talk that they would not uh, that they would not qualify for the Olympics or something. Is like what I kept seeing pop up, and I was like, I didn't even know there was a basketball tournament going on. Oh yeah, no, this is the biggest outside of the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just stunned that a little small little country like Latvia is actually making it possibly making it to the semifinals. That, well, yeah, but you say that, but, I mean, they, they play some real deal basketball over there. And, I mean, you've got you've had guys come in from Latvia to the NBA. Chris Tapps, Porzingis. Oh, there you go. There, there's one, for example. Um, there, there are some of those European countries like that that take basketball very, very serious and, and have some great teams in international play. And they play just a, a very different style of basketball than you're used to in the U.S. where it's a, it's a very fundamentally sound and, and technically proficient type basketball that they play that gives, you know, U.S. teams kind of a headache that just like to run up and down the floor and, you know, uh, do all the alley-oop dunks and fire up threes and things like that. I mean, when you go up against a team that is, you know, precision uh, in, in execution and things like that, that can give teams like the U.S. a huge headache. Okay. Guys, um, everybody keeps blogging on here at 247 Sports on the website. Uh, do you have any credible information on what we will will not, or when we will not see Mr. Jaquez Hunter? 
No idea. They, they haven't said. No idea. Not a clue. No leaks from anybody. Nope. No. No sources. Nope. Nobody nope. knows anything. Okay. So I guess we won't know anything uh, until uh, he's either on the plane or not on the plane, right? Pretty much. I wouldn't even say on the plane or off the plane. I mean, he. I mean, he showed up to the game. I mean, I, 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 I would say until his shoulder pads are on and he's warming up, uh, thirty minutes for the game. That, that's that's when we will know for sure. Okay, because I read uh, that you know they can only take so many people uh, on the flight with the cow, and if you're not on the plane, that's it. You're not going to be playing. And if you're on the plane, that's pretty much guarantee you will be playing. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean, they, there are limitations, but, I mean, it's still they still can take a lot of players. Uh, it, it, it's probably a little bit of an overreaction to think that you have to be very particular about who. It's not like the NFL. It's the NFL you only can carry 46 players, I right. think, on game day. You're really only get, be able to go about two deep everywhere with a couple three deeps. It's not, it's not that strenuous for college. There is a limit, but it's not – as dire to get every posi- every single player right. Okay. And finally, gentlemen, uh, for your uh, entertainment purposes, there is a uh, – this is, uh, is sports-related, uh, but there was a gentleman by the name of Mo Berg who was a backup catcher uh, for five professional teams, including the White Sox and the Boston Red Sox, mostly backup catcher. I mentioned him because uh, I caught it from Smithsonian Magazine – a website. He was also recruited as a spy during World War II by the now CIA uh, department. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. Had not. Uh, apparently, he was very bright. He was considered, in fact, he was called Professor Berg. Uh, his uh, uh, teammates. He got a law degree from Columbia, but actually went uh, with a gun in his uh, uh, suit uh, in his uh, pockets. Uh, to possibly, if needed to, assassinate a uh, physicist who was doing a conference uh, on uh, nuclear energy because they were afraid that maybe Germany was apparently trying to uh, develop an atomic bomb. So it was a good read. So I thought just thought I'll bring it in that a former uh, baseball player uh, was involved in spying for the U.S. Very nice. All right. That's all I got, guys. Uh, you guys have a safe afternoon. Thank you again also uh, for your time that you so graciously give me. And now I want to make sure one does not need to have an orthopedic, an orthopedic issue in order to call the uh, <laughs> right? No orthopedic uh, issues required. Okay, well, that's good to know. All right, guys, have a safe evening afternoon, and uh, we'll try this again tomorrow. Warrior, guys. Warrior, see. Appreciate your phone call as always. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Auburn, excuse me, on the Orthopedic Clinic <laughs> phone line. I knew I'd do it at some get, point. you got to get used to you it. You do it for years, and uh, you yeah. just – well, it'll happen again, inevitably. But the Orthopedic Clinic phone line now the proud sponsor of our of our sports call phone line. We are out of time for hour number two. When we come back, the sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Five programs that won the weekend in college football. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. It's now time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, and it's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selanegroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we will kind of highlight the top performances of the weekend, some teams that had their stock rise this past weekend across college football. We start off with number one, and that would be Colorado. We're not really doing this in order, but Colorado would make a lot of sense for the number one spot there as they caught uh, the nation's attention with uh, the two-way play of Travis Hunter, Shador Sanders having 500 passing yards, and Colorado taking down the TCU Horned Frogs, who, of course, a lot different from the team last year, but team nevertheless that made the national title game I think they're destined for a much worse year this year. But nevertheless, from one win to one win in one week for Deion Sanders in Colorado. And, and also, to just to tell you how big of a win that was, this is a team that was picked at the bottom of the conference, towards the bottom of the conference, nowhere even remotely close to the top 25, no thoughts of top 25. After one week, they are a top 25 team. They, they jumped. That's how big of a jump that was. From not even on the map to top 25. Bam. And we will get to the new AP top 25 poll here in just a second. Continuing on with the five at five. Number two. The Duke Blue Devils, who last night took down top 10 Clemson. Obviously very surprising to see the outcome. Not surprising that Duke made it a game, but that it it actually swayed all the way in their direction uh, would be the big surprise. Clemson struggles continue, and Duke now – uh, with a nationally relevant win, first top 10 win since 1989. Yeah. I, I mean, really the biggest surprise there is that it was so lopsided. I, it wouldn't have surprised me if Duke had won a, a nail-biter. You, you're, I say at home. It's not like Duke is known for a huge home-field advantage, but still, you're a good team. Like we mentioned before, 9-4 and four last year, nearly the entire roster coming back, a, a proven head coach, and, and a lot of momentum on their side. So not, not just over – overly surprising that they came away with the win but the fact that it was so lopsided i think that's what shocked everybody and and yeah i mean it just really makes you wonder about clemson the way they just continuously shot themselves in the foot that game all right next up in the sports call five at five number three again presented by southeastern land group and that is the florida state seminoles florida state with a decisive victory over lsu sunday night uh, continuing the positive run of play the ACC had to open up the season. Florida State had kind of won a freak game last year, a game that I and many wrote off as something that was just was attributed to Brian Kelly's first game 
at LSU. But Florida State proved something big time here to start 2023. Close game in the first three quarters, but fourth quarter Florida State ran away with it. They're highly ranked in the new AP Top 25, and we'll get to them uh, here in just a second. Number four. The North Carolina Tar Heels, more ACC versus SEC victories. Carolina beats South on Saturday night inside of Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. North Carolina didn't need a great Drake May performance. He was fine, had a couple turnovers late, but the North Carolina defense overwhelmed South Carolina's offensive line. Nine sacks. Spencer Rattler, who played well when he got to throw the ball, was running for his life most of the game and sent South Carolina into a panic. And so North Carolina wins the Battle of the Carolinas. Yeah, so, I mean, you look at North Carolina as a, as a real player there in the ACC, uh, but it also kind of makes you kind of wonder about South Carolina with all that momentum and all the excitement that they had with, uh, with Beamer Ball and everything going on there. Uh, you know, are they about to take a little bit of a step backwards from, from where you thought they might be? Yeah, I mean, again, I, and we'll yeah, again, they, they they market their program as such. We'll we'll see how it plays out. They still are around eight wins. I think that's fair. Sure. Uh, but obviously, if they they backtrack from last year, and and obviously the two wins they had at the end of last year were so awesome uh, for the program that uh, they were expecting pretty big things. They might still get a pretty good season, but not off to a good start. Uh, with that first loss to North Carolina. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. A little bit of a different approach here for number 5. I went with Oklahoma for number 5. And look, it's not that they had some important victory. They played Arkansas State. But it's that they beat them 73-0 to over the weekend. A, it's hard to shut people out, college football, period. And, B, they hung 73 on the board. Again, this Oklahoma program had its worst season in over two decades last year. It had been going to the playoffs or just outside the playoffs for several years with Lincoln Riley. And so last year was a bit of culture shock, but a very good start to this year. Had Butch Jones very emotional on the sideline and after the game of the postgame press conference. So went with Oklahoma as an under radar. That was a sneaky good performance, even though Arkansas State not does not figure to be very good in the Sun Belt this year. 73 to nothing is certainly a welcome sight for Oklahoma fans that did not like what they saw last year. That is the Sports Golf 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group, Colorado, Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, and Oklahoma, five teams that had really good week one performances to boost their stock. With that, let's look, gentlemen, a little bit at the AP Top 25 that was released uh, a little bit later this afternoon uh, after, of course, the Monday night game against Clemson and Duke. No change top two, Georgia and Michigan one and two. Alabama moves up one to three. It's Florida State up four spots to four. They are in the top five now. And number five, Ohio State, they slide two after an underwhelming performance against Indiana. Southern Cal is still six. Penn State still seven. Washington up two spots to eight. Tennessee up three spots. They had a very decisive victory over Virginia. They're at number nine. Notre Dame is number 10. They're up three spots. Texas, number 11. So it'll be number three, Alabama, number 11, Texas, inside of Bryant-Denny this weekend. Number 12 is Utah, number 13, Oregon. LSU falls nine spots from five to 14 after their loss to Florida State. Kansas State's 15. Oregon State's Beavers up two spots to 16. North Carolina Tar Heels up four to 17. Oklahoma up two to 18. Wisconsin 19. Ole Miss up two to 20. Duke is 21st. Colorado is in the poll. They are 22nd. Texas A&M is 23rd. 
Tulane's in the poll. They're up the 24th. Clemson just narrowly stays in the top 25. They fall 16 spots to number 25. Others receiving votes, Iowa 26, UCLA 27, Arkansas 28, TCU 29, Kentucky 30. Skipping down the 32s, Mississippi State, Miami 33. You got Auburn at 35 technically with Troy, Fresno State, and Minnesota and Wyoming. All those teams have three votes to be ranked. So Auburn, if you're curious, kind of like a tied for 35th right now. Uh, any thoughts, guys, on, on some of those ACC movers like Florida State up to four and uh, Duke to 21, Clemson hanging in the poll. What, just, what do you make of all that? Uh, so a couple of things. Uh, the, the, at the top of the poll, it kind of did what I had said yesterday that I thought that it would probably should shake out as because of Florida State's performance in the way that was, they looked like a top four team. And I felt they should be in there uh, in that top four, and they are. Uh, and because of Ohio State being lackluster, I felt like maybe they should not be in the top four. And they're not. I mean, they're barely just out at five. But that happened about the way I kind of thought it should. Is you know you have to you have to give the credit to Florida State where credit is due for that performance that they had and the way that they looked on both sides of the ball in that game. They legit looked like a title contender, and so not surprised there. Um, I I'm a bit shocked that Clemson fell as far as they did. Uh, where were they at in the poll? Clemson, they were ninth, so they fell 16 spots. Say that I think that's a little egregious. Um, Man, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Uh, that. That's man, that's a huge drop. Um, yeah, it was a lopsided win, but again, I, I you go back and you look at that game and you think about like all the chances that Clemson had to win that. It it was not like they just couldn't move the ball. Like you know, they got blown right. out and couldn't even cross the fifty and yeah. just looked inept in every sort of way. And it's like, good lord, that you know, what are we thinking? Having them even in the top twenty five right now. They drove the ball. They out. They outgained Duke. They had every opportunity. They shot themselves in the foot. I man, I that just seems like a very egregious drop to Clemson to just nearly take them out of the top twenty-five after a road loss to the team that is now the twenty-first ranked team. So that's the two biggest ones that I that kind of jump out at me is you know Florida State jumped to where they needed to be in the top four, but man, I mean, what a absolute crash from Clemson that that really surprised me you don't normally see them drop people almost out of the top 25 over just one loss but I had man I guess the voters saw enough from Clemson in that game they're like yeah we're 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 going to <laughs> we're drop. out we're, yeah, selling we're, we're our done stuff. like goodness well I mean Iowa did Iowa won and they started the year top 25 and they got dropped a spot down to to 26 our TCU start started in the top 25 they there was one loss they got dropped and it wasn't a bad loss either they were it was a really close loss they scored a lot of points in that game and they dropped them out of the top 25 one of my favorite things about the first it not the first poll the first poll is a preseason poll but the first in-season poll is watching the voters I'm not going to say overcorrect but and it, it they there's a it's you're going to see a lo- a bigger margin of movement in the first poll from the preseason poll than you will the rest of the year. Like if Clemson had lost this game in week two, like say they go, say the the schedule's in reverse. Say they beat you know they have Charleston Southern this week or this past weekend, beat them, blow them out, whatever, and then you lose to Duke in the second week. 
I don't know if they dropped 16 spots, but because you had the you did the preseason poll, you based it all kind of on last year, what you've heard over the spring into the summer, and then you this is your first game action poll you watch, and it's like, oh my gosh, we we've done this, we got to do this, 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 this. Readjust, readjust. So, so I'm not I'm not saying it's an overreaction. I'm not saying it's an overadjustment, but. It's just this is going to be the the biggest moving poll that you're going to see uh, throughout the year because you know now that you've got stuff on film and you, you're able to watch uh, you know you're watching teams every single week you're going to get a better feel for the teams um, you know Georgia Michigan Alabama all one two three yeah Ohio State I, I do think deserved to move down a little bit they struggled Florida State definitely deserves to move up. Um, and, you know, you, uh, you, you look at the rest of it, USC, yeah, USC, you know, they, they were dom- ended up being dominant in their wins, but that San Jose State game, they looked, a, a li- you know, the, San Jose State scared them in the first half, and they, they put things together. Their defense is going to be a problem for yeah, them. And, and I think that's why you, you don't see a move at all. Penn State, you, you started, yeah. you know, against a team like West Virginia, it was close early, and they, they kind of put it away in the second half, so it, it's fine. Um uh, you know, every, everybody else, there really wasn't – I'll tell you what, outside of just a handful of teams, and I, I think you look back at the schedule, there wasn't a lot of team – you know, these the top 25 teams playing teams that were uh, a mover, you know, it, elig- you know, not eligible, but like wins that move you around. I know, North Carolina played one. Uh, LSU Florida State played a move, mover game. Clemson Duke obviously that was a move game but everybody else you know it, it really there really wasn't a lot of games that uh got you to move in that pole a lot uh Alabama you know you're playing Middle Tennessee State Georgia's playing whoever they played this weekend UT Martin uh Michigan was playing somebody who who, who remembers East it, Carolina everybody was it, everybody was playing teams that it, you win you're like cool that's great you did what you're supposed to do this week, there's a lot more at stake. There's there's a lot more games, and especially in the SEC, you've got Texas A&M, Miami. That's a mover game. You got Alabama, Texas. That's a mover game. Auburn, Cal. If they were both, if either of them was ranked, that's a mover game. Yeah, and you know, you look around the, the Ole Miss, Tulane. Ole, Ole Miss, Tulane. Turns out 20, it's a mover game. Twenty twenty four. So there's there's a lot more mover games this week that if you win this game you're going to move up a little bit if you lose this game you're going to move down a little bit this poll this week you just didn't have as many marquee matchups that that was guaranteed that said you win this game you're up five spots and you know you saw there was just a handful and you already and you saw the move you saw you saw them win then you moved them up yeah you know look i think that for florida state properly rated uh they, they you have to if you deemed lsu which Obviously, you go on some faulty assumptions, and that's why some people argue against preseason polls. I still want some sort of reference point or some sort of idea. I, I again, I completely get why some people don't want them, uh, but it just it would be very hard to like say. I mean, say if you don't write someone till three or four weeks in, what, 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 how much do we quantify Alabama and Texas this week? We just know they're two big programs, and we assume Alabama is somewhere in the top five. But where do you put Texas? Like there would be varying opinions, right. and to to be able to give some of these teams proper credit again, I think it'll become even less of an issue with twelve team playoffs because fourteen playoffs it feels like some teams are just pre- predicated like they need to be in a certain spot in the rankings at a certain time, or they're just going to be too late to the party. Uh, but once you get 12 teams, I don't think that preseason rankings and stuff will will be a prohibitor for anybody. 
Florida State seems proper in the top four. Uh, you know, we've not talked SEC teams. We'll try to get to a couple of them here in just a minute. But, you know, Tennessee looked good against Virginia. Sure. Milton had a, a rough sequence in the first quarter, but he also had a 60-yard pass, 50-60-yard pass, which was flat dropped. It was a dime. It was perfect. And the, the guy's like, whoops, forgot to catch the ball before I ran to the end zone. So Milton passed the first test, looked pretty good. Uh, Notre Dame, no issues so far, but haven't really played anybody. Um, Oregon scored 7 million points on Southern Utah or whoever it was. So that's a good good box to check for them. Utah beat a Florida team that we all agree is going to be out, man, this year. Uh, you know, Oregon State, no problem with San Jose State. Great for them. Oklahoma moves up two spots after just beating someone as bad as you can, but also it's Arkansas State. Um, you know, Duke gets in the, the poll at 21. Yeah, it's hard to go much much higher just because, like, you start yeah. getting those teams I just named, like Ole Miss at 20. Ole Miss had over, uh, like, 680 yards on Mercer, 70 points, scored at will, pick your sco- name your score. Uh, so, you know, they were perceived to be pretty good. Wisconsin, I don't remember what Wisconsin did this past week, but Oklahoma, like I just said, I mean, are you going to move Duke above Oklahoma? Wisconsin was the un, uh, what are, the the unimpressive win over Buffalo. I, I, I don't really remember, honestly, the, the – you have to tell me the score of that one. It was, uh, well, I can, I thought it was going to pull right up, but of course, you know, you again Oklahoma score. though at eighteen, like you're not putting Duke above Oklahoma because Oklahoma beat Arkansas State seventy three zero. So, especially if you're going to put Clemson in the twenties, which I to be fair, like thirty eight seventeen, yeah, thirty eight seventeen. So that's not impressive. If you was, wanted uh, to move Duke above Wisconsin, it was I fourteen blame to ten at half. Okay, so yeah, I, I I would honestly go Ole Miss nineteen, Duke twenty, and Wisconsin twenty one. But also, you're probably thinking out there listening right now. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> uh, at the same time, but yeah, the Ole Miss two lane game is actually interesting. It's a top twenty five game. I think Tom, to your point, where I would have put Clemson, uh, I mean twenty three four. I mean, I get it because you're not putting them above Duke. They lost to Duke. You're not putting them sure. above them. Yeah. So you're only 22, 22, 23, 24, 25. And you can, Colorado, I mean, 50-50, make an argument for it. That's fine. A&M, make an argument for it. It's fine. I, I would just say probably ahead of Tulane. I'd put Tulane 25, right. Clemson 24. Iowa, I'm sorry. I know you said they won, Brooks. They played Utah State. They won 24-14. Score points. I don't care. I, I'm on a mission to I, to I end was, Iowa football, and I just I hate everything about but what they I, I was just make, yeah. making the point when you, Tom brought up, you win and you move them out of the top 25, well, that it happens. So yeah, it, yeah. Right. it does happen. So, uh, again, you, again, if you wanted to argue, that's the great thing about week one is we – we know something, but we don't know how much of the equation it is. We don't know if right. Clemson can figure out red zone, and then all of a sudden, hey, they were a team that had over 400 yards against a team that gave up 20 points a game last year. Right. That might actually be just fine. Or are they the team that just never figures out the 20-yard line and in and keeps kicking field goals and shanking field goals and turn the ball over and is the worst version of themselves? We don't know how that's going to shake out for LSU – you know, they were fine in the first half. They led. They actually squandered opportunities. They should have been up two possessions at least at halftime. So are they the team of the first half of that game or are they the team of the second half that got feeling sorry for themselves and then started to get manhandled? Like, I mean, it just – by all means, you can pick sides on that right now, sure. but I don't think that there's enough proof in the pudding to just be definitive yet. Right. Well, and, and, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can say. You know, I mean, we've – we have talked ad nauseum about Southern Cal and how we don't think their yeah. defense is going to be good. And it's not just us saying that. It's pretty much everybody. So, as it's like, 
are they really worthy of being sixth? I mean, because you got to think that, that defense is going to cost them. But they won, so keep them where they're at. If uh, let's give me another Auburn question before we get a break. If Auburn beats Cal, I'm going to give you two scenarios. Obviously, no losing scenarios because then they will not be ranked. Um, Auburn's 35th right now. If Auburn beats Cal by 10, eh, seven. If Auburn beats Cal by seven, where are they? If Auburn beats Cal by 27, where are they? I, I still, I still honestly believe that. Um, and I'm not asking top 25. I'm saying out of between 35, or you, oh, yeah. you can say 28th. You say 29th. Yeah. I, I, I think a win. I think a win at Cal either way bumps Auburn up up into that. Let's see, you said they're what 30? They're 35th right. 35th now. right yep. now. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they beat Cal, I, I think that still. I mean, it's 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 definitely gonna put them in the top twenty five. I mean, maybe around that third twenty or twenty eight. You give me a range. You, you don't 28 have to... to twenty eight to thirty. Okay, but I'm also asking like, does it beating them by seven versus twenty seven? Yeah, I mean, you I beat you beat, you beat them by twenty seven. I think you get up into that you know twenty seven range if you just if you go out there and just beat the brakes off of them. But you also have got to look at the fact that Cal is not on here. Cal's not receiving right. votes. It's a game that Auburn is supposed to win. Every, most folks are expecting Auburn to win. They're the favorites. Now, if they go out there and just absolutely dismantle Cal, then, yeah, it's going to give some people a little reason to think, and they'll obviously get more votes than if they win a squeaker out there. But um, it, it's it's going to take something a little more to get Auburn up into that top 25 and it's not going to happen with Cal it's definitely not going to happen with Sanford after that yeah I would I would say the same thing you you beat Cal no I don't, I don't think no matter what the the score is I think you're you're still anywhere from that uh you know 28 to 32 somewhere around there if you beat Cal no matter what if you, obviously if you throw Bolo out you're going to be further up that that receiving votes category but um, I, I think that you know you, you got to look at it. You're you're still you know only three votes. You you received three yeah. votes for this week. The, I think it's just sorry to cut you. I think it's just Brett McMurphy because I'm pretty sure I saw that he voted Auburn 23rd and mm-hmm. he does have a vote. And 23rd would mean you get three points because yeah. one point for 25th, two for 24th, three for 23rd. So I think it's probably just Brett McMurphy that has Auburn top 25. Because I mean, and you know, you look at you know Clemson. They had 141 points. They're at number 25. If if they you know they're going to win this weekend more than likely against Charleston Southern. Iowa, I don't know who they're playing. They still had 73 points. UCLA, they won. They still had 55 points. Arkansas won this week and they had 28 points. So you're going to have to eclipse some of these, you know, some of those point totals. And I don't know if Cal get Cal, win over Cal gets you to to that point where you're right. you're getting over like a 73 or or a 55 point total. Uh, you also have to do the exercise of what does the team in front of them do. For example, Miami's one of the teams with just one more vote in them. If Miami loses the Texas A&M, Miami fall behind Auburn if yeah. Auburn wins. Um, conversely, if they win, if they win by three, does A&M actually drop below Auburn? I don't know. So I think if Auburn wins by seven, which, again, that's around the line, if they win by seven, I think they move up like two to three spots. I think they're 32 to 33 range. They're 35th right now, again, if you were wondering. If they win decisively, again, that's not my prediction. I'm just saying if they won by 27, they won by four score or something like that, I think they'd get 29 to 30. Somewhere there, I'm not sure. Again, you'd have to, you'd need some help, right? You need Iowa to look like Iowa again. I, Iowa uh, is at Iowa State, right? So you could get Iowa State to win, but then 
Iowa State has got two goats to be ranked. They're right behind exactly. Auburn. Right behind so, Auburn, yeah. again, you play this game where you get muddied a little bit. So, as you said, Tom, like, unless just a lot of teams lose, Auburn's probably going to go in 3-0 to College Station and just still not be ranked, and that's fine. Uh, Auburn teams fly on the radar are perfectly fine and, and, and do well. Uh, but, uh, again, just if you're on top 25 watch, wanted to update you there about – you know they're they're not quite knocking at the door, but they're starting to walk up to the doorstep and uh, at 35th officially in the country by the AP Top 25. We're gonna take our next time out of the show. Not gonna really be able to get to a bunch of SEC programs today, so that'll be some con- content we'll save for tomorrow, along with the uh, the NFC preview as we start to preview the NFL tomorrow and Thursday. So when we come back, we do well, before it gets too far removed from it we will give you a few thoughts on that braves dodger series uh from this past weekend that we've been yet uh, yet to talk about you're listening to the tuesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday edition of the show. want to remind you that the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. All right, so we will interrupt this uh this football discussion uh, that we've been having the last two days, as beautiful as it is, with just a brief dose of the Atlanta Braves as we will be gearing up for playoff time pretty shortly. And the Braves had a very significant series, the most significant series of the rest of their year prior to the postseason against the Los Angeles Dodgers in L.A. for four games. The Braves, the last four games of a 10-game road trip that saw them in San Francisco, Colorado, and then L.A., the Braves complete the road trip with an 8-2 and two record, and they complete it with winning three out of four against the Dodgers and securing now a six-game lead over L.A. in the, the standings and also securing the four out of seven on the year and securing uh, the, the tiebreaker of them if they were to tie. So Braves essentially with seven games on L.A. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just a lot of things that went on with that uh, in that series against the Dodgers. Uh, the Braves, yeah, with the 3-1 the to series win, uh, they lost the finale. But through those three wins, again, home runs powering the Braves. Acuna just absolutely red hot. Marcelo Zuna red hot. Uh, Acuna had a grand slam in a game. 
and that put him over, made him the first player in Major League history to have 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases in a season. And that's already. So he's going to keep adding to that. Uh, just a, an incredible series for the Braves. And one you don't want to say one that you had to win because it's not I have to win. It's not a playoff series. But you really kind of put your mark, kind of planted your flag as we are the best team in baseball. They, they are the fastest team this year to get to 90 wins. Uh, that really – sent a message to the rest of Major League Baseball that the Braves are for real, that they are the best team in baseball, to be able to go out there to L.A. and take three or four. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's a Dodgers roster that's loaded. Mookie Betts, who is battling Acuna for the MVP title right now, did pretty darn well in that first game with two home runs, but then he didn't do much else the rest of that series while Acuna did. So you almost wonder if Acuna kind of maybe secured the MVP unless he just hits a snag and starts struggling towards the end. Acuna may have wrapped up MVP out there as well. So just a huge series for the Braves to just really prove a point to the rest of baseball that they that they are legit the best team in, in Major League Baseball at the moment. Yeah, you look at the the Braves the first half of the year, they were dominant. They were winning series. They were, they were blowing everybody out. As soon as that all-star break hit, there was a couple series right there in, in middle of July and in early August where some head scratchers are like, they, they shouldn't be – either struggling like this or they shouldn't be losing this series to this team. To the A's. Uh, Yeah, to the the White (laughs) Sox. Um, But as as this has gone on, the second half has gone on, when the Braves have needed, you know, you you walked up to a series and said, this is a big series, this is a pivotal series in in the second half. They've dominated. They've been dominant. They've come out, and and this Dodger series was just the latest in that that line of, uh, of, of series that, the Braves. It felt like it, it felt like it was a it was a must win, but not a, a must must win. Like it was, you, you set the tone. You say we're battling with this team. They were red hot. Uh, you know, you're going to be fighting with this team for that number one seed uh, in in the playoffs. And you came out and said we're the best team. This is this is still our our league to run. And uh, you sent a message to the to the Dodgers. You sent a message to Major League Baseball that even though the Braves had a couple series in the second half, that it's like, what what's going on here? They're they're still the number one team in baseball. Yeah, again, it was significant for locking up the home field advantage, but also significant to kind of confirm that they are the best team in baseball. Look, that does not guarantee them anything in October. The best team does not always win in baseball because quite. Quite frankly, when the Braves won in 21, they were not the best team in baseball that year. They got to be the hottest team in baseball at the right time. So just by having the proclamation that the Braves are the best team does not guarantee them anything, but it should give them confidence that uh, even with the Dodgers coming on here as of late and playing well, Mookie Betts had a, a fire month of August. Freddie Freeman's been great all year. It still didn't stack up. It's, the Braves still beat them three out of four uh, and looked good doing it. So Braves with a very successful series there in L.A. We need to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We get one more phone call in today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you this afternoon? I'm good, and you guys? Doing well. I'm still sitting there trying to figure out what happened last night when Duke played Clemson. I mean, I've never seen a Duke team uh, – Form as well as they did last night. Now they've had their moments over the years, and I've seen a few games here and there when they played Alabama or, or maybe somebody else for homecoming or something. And 
might have enjoyed a, a good first quarter, a first half, and then everything, uh, you know, they can go ahead and get blown out after that. But last night, I'm trying to figure out now, the players they had last night, were these players recruited out of high school by Duke and developing the program, or were these transfer portal players? Uh, a mix of both. So they've got a couple guys on their defense from like A&M and Miami. Mike Elko was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M before taking the Duke job last year. However, they did have, uh, I think, a total of 17 of 22 or 18 of 22 returning starters from last year's team. So that was a team that won nine games last year. So uh, whether all those where all those guys came from, again, a little bit of a mix, but they were mostly in the program at least last year. So with those guys coming back and having experience, and then you go out and get your couple in the portal to fill in a few pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that you couldn't get anywhere else, then uh, this thing is shaping up good for a lot of people because now you can just about buy you a certain amount of games if you can get some players in that portal, right? I mean, it's appearing that way. I mean, look, uh, again, the the roster management has never been more difficult, but it also has never been more chaotic. And so you can be – you can be on the downside of that if your program's going the wrong direction, but you can be in the big upside of that if you know how to use the portal uh, to your advantage. Obviously, we talked about that with Dion yesterday uh, at Colorado. That's the extreme, most extreme version you yeah, come up yeah. with. Uh, but yeah. sure, some of these other schools that are winning six or seven games but starting to get some positive momentum with a likable coach, they absolutely can use the portal to uh, climb the ladder another rung. So, in other, uh, you know, so when you look at this thing, then just about everybody. I guess from year to year, if you get the right kind of money or have an opening where a player don't fit in somewhere but can go down the road uh, piece and uh, fit in somewhere else, then that's going to be the new thing from now on. I guess you just go from whatever team that you think you may fit in from year to year, you know, if the money's right or, or, or the playing time right or it ain't a position to perhaps win a championship or whatnot, then I guess everybody just moves from school to school on a yearly basis. Unless there is some sort of uh, drastic legislation against NIL, or at least to temper it from Washington, which, again, has been thought about, and there needs to be some something, but no one knows really what that is. So unless that's something drastic, which at this time I would assume it would not be drastic, unless it's something drastic, then yeah. I mean, again, yeah. you're, you're going to have the ability to change your roster quicker than ever before. That's also why you see some coaches on the hot seat quicker. That's why Billy Napier's, what, 14 games in at Florida and his seat is, is scalding desert hot uh, yeah. or sc- scalding swamp hot maybe is a better way to, to go it. Uh, I mean, there there is uh, never been an, a, a better time to turn something around quicker. I still would urge, and I still think it's the best route to – go the high school route first and build the base there. Right. Uh, but certainly you can improve your program significantly through the portal. Now, at this point, what does Clemson do? I mean, you know, Clemson has been, uh, since that playoff started, they've been on top of football world like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and, and uh, the teams that usually make it LSU or the teams that usually make it, uh, if not on a yearly basis, every other year, and, and getting those big games. Now you, you get in a situation with a, with a team like Duke and, and you can't even stay on the field with them. I mean, you know, I want from a psychological standpoint and everything, I wonder where they go now. Well, I think the most fair criticism of Dabo Sweeney is that he does not use the portal and that, look, I, I just said that you need to build the base through, uh, through right. the, the college recruiting, but that does not mean you can't, as you said earlier about Duke, fill in with what you need 
and other spots. Clemson needs some better wide receivers. Clemson, I, I think they were fair to think Klubnick could get the job done. He was a five-star recruit or a high four-star recruit. Uh, but nevertheless, Dabo's stance has been, I don't like the portal. I don't want to use it. I want to recruit and develop my guys. That's fine. That can be a lot of what you do, but it can't be the only thing that you do. And I think that's why Clemson is starting to pay for it because they've had a couple of real needs on offense the last couple of years, and they've done nothing about it in the portal. Well, I tell you what, I think the powers that be at Clemson are going to call him in the room and, uh, and change his mind on that, and he will go to that. Uh, he won't have a job because that's what everybody else is doing. When you got a team like Duke and Colorado, they won a game, one game all last year, no more than four games in the last five or ten years, and getting a quick turnaround like that, you ain't going to have no choice or you won't be working for anybody. Yeah, again, you know, I'm sure he's still – uh, got a, a lot of goodwill there, but that will only go so far because obviously Clemson knows what it's now capable of like never before. So uh, if they keep going down and down, uh, again, patience will wear ever, ever thinner. One other thing, uh, what time them Tigers pulling out? Are they going to pull out Thursday night, fly out Thursday night? I would assume Thursday night, right? Thursday. Yep. Yeah, I would assume. That, that's, a, ooh, that's a long trip. They probably get jet lag or I think that's why they're getting on yeah, out there. That's why they get out there a day earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And and I guess the uh, eighteen wheel is gonna probably leave out what we it's, it's, it's already there. Oh yeah. It, it left. It literally left out Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the day after the game here, they packed everything up in the truck, and it was it was already on the road. Well, yeah, I guess it is now. Everybody got all that money to have uh, enough equipment, but you can have enough here to practice and enough already at a location waiting on you. So that's what it is. I appreciate it. Absolutely, all Anthony. Right. Appreciate the phone call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Again, we had discussed uh, Clemson and Duke a good bit. We discussed the season element to it. You could go from a bigger perspective like Anthony hit on there with the program element of it and wonder long-term. I, I mean – I, I'm not even sure how to quantify how Clemson would feel about it because I think that there's so much goodwill built into two national titles that from a program that just did not have a lot for 30 or 40 years. But at the same time, I think the portal part of it, I mean, he if, if he wants to keep Clemson in playoff contention, they're going to have to use the portal at some point. Uh, again, he, he, like Alabama, Georgia – Sure, you can nitpick and say very few portal guys there. There's still a couple here and there, um, but sure. They lose more you know, than right, they bring in on the right, portal. Because, again, they've got two, so many great players. But still, the point is, is if it's an available resource to you that everyone else is using, why don't you use it? You're Clemson. You won two titles. You have respect in college football, especially when you talk about quarterbacks and wide receivers. I know everybody's like, well, without a generational quarterback, Dabo Sweeney's nothing. They won 10 games without a generational quarterback. Right. That's not nothing. Uh, and so if you had better quarterback play and you had wide receivers, of which they've sent several to the NFL in the last decade since he's been there, like if that's your need, that's stuff you can convince people of coming and getting in the portal. If they had gotten Keon Cole, I don't even know if they were in the sweepstakes for him, but they'd gotten Keon Coleman right. from Michigan State. That would have helped tremendously. If they had targeted quarterbacks. Now, again, I understand why they went club. Nick, he was a freshman last year and 
was a big time player, and you got to give him a, a chance. But well, he was a five star recruit, right? right. And mean, so again, it's perfectly logical to think he sure. could have worked out if, and he might still. But if he doesn't this year, Clemson needs to go get a portal quarterback. Go, yeah. go. You can have access to the top qu- portal quarterback next year if you want to, if you need to. Your Clemson and Dabo's got to got to be a little less stubborn if he wants to stay on top and be understanding of the fact that the sport changes from time to time. It doesn't stay stagnant for 75 right. years. And so, uh, you know, he he might not – he doesn't have to like – no one makes you like something, but you need to take advantage of it if uh, if you have needs and Clemson has needs. Yeah. I, the thing is, though, and, I, and I, I guess maybe this is why – with Clemson and why I talked, you know, about them dropping so far in the poll. I'm one of those that's not writing them off because I still think they've got plenty of talent um, – you know that was a. I'm just not going to write them off. I mean, that, I think that was a game they shot themselves in the foot, but they had every opportunity to, every opportunity to win that game. Now, if if again, I and I have talked about this so much, how I'm a pattern guy. Uh, I don't just take one sample size and go, well, that's going to be it. I want to see a pattern. Now, if Clemson starts showing me a pattern that they can't compete in the red zone, they when they get to a short field. They just they fall apart. I mean, if if that becomes a pattern, then I see that's going to be a problem. Pattern with Southern Cal's defense, they have shown that there is a pattern that they are not good on defense. Really, Lincoln Riley defense. or yeah. Lincoln yeah. Riley defense, yeah. sure. Yeah, but that's a pattern, right? Clemson is not just that one sample size against Duke. I'm not going to look at that as that's a pattern of what Clemson is going to be. I think Clemson has athletes. I think they're going to be good because also in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some teams that are going to give them some issues. But now if those problems show up against the likes of some of the lesser of the ACC, then sure. But right now I'm not writing Clemson off. Uh, I'm not writing them off at all, and I don't think Clemson fans should not. I don't think the media should write them off. Like, again, they had every opportunity to win that game. They they out they out uh, outgained Duke in that. Right. They just couldn't finish the drill when they got down there. In in the crunch time in the red zone, they kept just shooting themselves in the foot. So uh, we'll see. But you know, Klubnik, five star guy, very highly rated guy that went to Clemson. I mean, they've got athletes there. They just they got to figure it out when they get close to the end zone. Time for the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we have? Well, the, the only bad thing about football season, especially the early part of football season, is the after you get past the games on the weekend, it, it gets a little light. So here's what we got for you on the Nightly TV Guide. Two movies picks for you this evening, starting off both at 7 o'clock. First one on AMC. It's the day after tomorrow, the Apocalypse movies, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, and then also 7 o'clock on TNT. It's now the controversial movie, The Blind Side. It, it's a it's a feel good movie. It should be controversial. But it I mean ah. it, it has it, it's kind of become controversial. The real story the real story has become. The the real story has become uh, so the the blind side. Seven o'clock TNT. Uh, sports for you this evening, six o'clock on ESPN US Open Tennis action continues from New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium as the uh, we get down to almost the end of the US Open tournament. They'll crown a champion uh, this weekend in the men's and women's sides of things. MLB baseball tonight, 6.30 on TBS. The San Francisco Giants visit the Chicago Cubs, two teams that are, uh, at least the San Francisco Giants are chasing a wild card spot. Uh, The Cubs are also in the mix still, have not been eliminated. 6.20 on Valley Sports South. 
It's the Braves are back in action. Long West Coast trip last week. And they, uh, they're back at home tonight as they host the St. Louis Cardinals. Like I said, 620 on Bally Sports South. It's the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals. And that is your Nightly TV Guy brought to you by friends at White Claw Hart Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. Thank you for being on the show today and for that TV guide. And we'll look forward to another round of the High School Coaches Show tomorrow night right here on Tiger 95.9. So we'll see you out there. We'll see you then. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. Absolutely. We'll uh, talk to you again tomorrow. I enjoyed it. Look forward to being back tomorrow. Absolutely. That will do it for the show today. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tune in and called in. And we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us in the first hour of the show as well. For Brooks Childers and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.